sometimes a game can be, at least at this point, so bad, it's almost good. You know what I'm saying? No. Under six minutes to go until halftime. Kylan Grants in motion to the left side. Ball between the hash marks. Matt Ryan on play action. He's dancing in the pocket. Good protection. Fires over the middle. Picked off at the 15-yard line. Right now they're trying to get back inside the red zone for a manageable field goal here for Chase McLaughlin. Scanning again in trouble. And it goes down the fourth time. <sighs> Wake up. Hey. Hello. Hello. And the Boo Birds out here at just, in power field as McManus on for the third time to try a field goal. That was just a matter of time. This is going to be a 34-yard field goal. And it's blocked by the Colts. It ricochets into the end zone, and the Colts get a big block. Out of the gun goes Ryan. Shotgun snap. Backs the pass. He's going to chuck it over the middle and might be intercepted. Time to wake up. Okay. Hello. Can you hear me? Wake up. Wake up. I don't like this. Wilson fakes it to Gordon. In the pocket. Throws up field. Picked off by the Colts. Into the end zone. It's Stephon Gilmore. This one for Mr. Gilmore. Chase McLaughlin. Four for four tonight. And the Colts have the lead in overtime. It's 12 to nine. There is no such thing as an ugly win. We're not happy about 2-2-1, two, two but I mean, we're right there. We're right in the mix. What the hell just happened? Kevin, here's what I learned in the short nap that I got between when the game ended and getting in here this morning and then driving in this morning in this fog, right? Like I'm driving in, like, did, did I get sleep? I'm not sure. And then I had this epiphany. Are you ready? Last night we found the team that has a more cloudy and screwed quarterback future than the Colts. That, that, that's what I learned last night. Like, if the Colts have a murky situation moving forward with their quarterback situation because we just don't know year in and year out who the next year's quarterback is going to be, uh, at least they're not the Denver Broncos. Yeah, some expensive uh, quarterback issues. Denver's certainly feeling it a little bit more than Indianapolis. Um, I thought going to sleep would cure it, but I think my eyes are still bleeding. I was going to text your dad for some Band-Aids. Does he have some Band-Aids I can put over my <laughs> My eyes? parents have 1,700 boxes of Band-Aids, yes. Um, one day, Jake, I think I will tell Max Bowen of the Colts and Broncos and say one team just stunk less than the other team. The game should have ended in a tie. I thought they should have just met at midfield after regulation, shake hands, carry off Chase McLaughlin on their shoulders. And head to the uh, head to the showers. It was the first time I've ever, ever seen a game go to overtime and a mass exodus of fans. Yes. Like, yeah, right. That's it. We're leaving, and it's like nine thirty local 9:30, time. Nine thirty, beautiful night in Denver, and just a mass exodus. Uh, you had Al Michaels and Kirk Herbstreit like literally making fun of the game on many, many occasions. You had NFL agents all over social media last night, just ripping this game to shreds. Um, the Colts won, and I feel worse about the Colts than I did at 7.03 yesterday morning. So he, here's my question. And a way, you listen, they won, right? And I'm sure there are people that are like, I guess my question for, for fans would be this. If I sit here and say that, like, almost the worst-case scenario for the Colts was that they won that game, and now they've, like, falsified in their head – this gives them some false sense that that was passable. 
are people going to get mad at me? And I'm not that I'm worried, but I mean, are people going to, would people agree with that? Or are people like, no, totally, man. I'm not saying you wanted to lose it, but is it possible the worst case scenario was to win that game and, and lead yourself to believe that that was okay? Because they looked terrible. Their offensive line looked terrible. Broken. Broken. Their quarterback looked terrible. Alec Pierce looked good. They might have they might have found something here in Alec Pierce, right? They're and they had some good running play for sure. I mean, I'll give them credit there. Chase McLaughlin, I thought your defensive stars delivered for you, Jake. But to your point, we heard from Jim Ursay. We heard from Frank Reich. That to me might have been the scariest part of the entire night was hearing the leaders. You know, Jim Ursay, he was he's gonna find the camera after that game last night. No public accountability after the loss to Tennessee at home when you're down three scores and you talk all week on Twitter. But last night after that win, he'll find the camera. Frank Reich postgame gets off the about, uh, gets asked about the offense. Now, I don't want to be critical about the offense. That is what is worrisome when your leaders are running from the obvious public accountability that needs to be there. Honestly, Jake, I thought some of the guys in the locker room described it in an extremely accurate manner. Um, Quentin Nelson called it disgusting. Michael Pittman was like, we won, but I have a feeling I'm going to hate watching the film tomorrow. I thought a lot of the guys in the locker room had the right sort of perspective on it of like that 65-minute performance or whatever, don't let that all of a sudden, don't let that result of a win think that this football team is a legit January type of team. Uh, good morning to you, by the way, on a Friday, and it is a Colts victory Friday. Uh, it feels odd to say that almost. Uh, Jake Query here. That was Kevin Bowen, Mark Dykton, who worked very hard in the wee turnaround time between the end of the Colts game and when we have gotten in this morning putting together the audio that you will hear, which is much appreciated. It is Kevin and Query here on 93.5107.5 The Fan. Kevin, I wanted to be delicate in my words so I used the word flirting, even though I knew they were already there. And people certainly were very quick to react to say, uh, they're not flirting with me, they've already married. But the reality is this. The Colts, in my opinion, have entered into an arena that every professional sports franchise is most terrified of. Most professional sports franchises are, there's only one thing they fear more than being winless. There's only one thing they fear more than being controversial. And that's where the Colts are. This team's boring. They're boring. I, are there people that are enticed now, if it wasn't a divisional game, to turn around in 10 days and go watch them play Jacksonville? Their offense is boring. Their defense is made plays when they needed to, but is competent. I mean, I'll say that, but they're relying on a, a kicker that people got to know for the first time, you know, intermittently, but it's not like he's been around a long time. I've, they're boring. Yeah, they are boring, and again, there's no young quarterback hope. And when you combine that, it is an extremely dangerous place to be as a franchise. I had the feel driving in this morning, Jake, of will this season turn into the 2015 season in the Chuck Pagano-Ryan Grigson era? Will this season be the 
Ballard and Wright kind of holding on for dear life. Ursay, after the season, is a little bit more public in the, that was disappointing, that's not what we're about, that's not the standard of the franchise, but we're going to run it back one more time. And Matt Ryan's $35 million cap hit is sitting there, and that means he's going to be the quarterback in 2023. And that's scary. That, that I think, is the most alarming aspect to how it feels right now on October 7th to me. Um, that is now seven straight games of 20 points or fewer. And, again, if you're Jim Mersey, you have got to realize in 2022 NFL, and you tweeted it out back in January, the game is supposed to be favoring the offensive side of the ball, and the Colts cannot sniff competent play over there. Their highest-paid offensive line in the league just made three rather drastic position changes in a week where they didn't practice. I can't wait to talk to Jeff Saturday about that. I mean, think about that. On October 6th, you're sitting there saying, yep, we need to make three starting lineup changes to the O-line, and we are going to do it in a week without any practice. And the result? Six sacks, two for 16 on third down, no touchdowns, et cetera, et cetera. And Matt Ryan right now, as I said on Monday, I, I, I just see a I see horrific decision-making. I see Carson Wentz's interceptions last year being Houdini-like, and I see the Matt Ryan turnovers simply being a guy that is walking up the 18th hole and in no way, shape, or form, in my opinion, should he be the quarterback next fall. Did you see that their points per game also went down after last night's performance? They were already the lowest total points in a game. No, I can tell you. It dipped to 13.8. Now, see, I could have told you that, but just the algebra in my yeah. head, I could have done that. I'm sorry, I took that lightning away. Steal from my me. thunder. That's fine. Those Ryan interceptions, guys, horrific. It's not like arm strength trying to fit a ball into a 28 yard window on an out pattern. It's like middle of the field, some of the cleanest pockets all night, and he throws it right to them. Is he under siege? Sure, but on some of those turnovers. Oh, my God. I, I didn't mean, see a white jersey in some of those. Where I'm like, what is he even looking? Right. Like, I, I felt see? like if that Denver defender wouldn't have picked it off, the next guy would have. And, and that is really worrisome to me. He already has as many interceptions as Wentz had last season, and now you're at 11 fumbles on the year form. Do we have enough body of work five games in to say Matt Ryan's done? To say, you know what? Nice guy. Great career, it's over. If you want to be a playoff football team, he's done. Yeah. But again, when you listen to Jim Mersey and Frank Reich after the game last night, to me, you just hear guys that are, <sighs> exhale, celebrate it. You don't hear, that performance is not acceptable. And that needs to be there. You you can sit there and say to yourself, we're 2-2-1, two, two and one. we will take the win, but that performance in no way, shape, or form is acceptable. And I didn't hear any of that, particularly I from think, the owner last night. I think Shane asked a good question here. I thought about this on the way in, too. Do you give credit for the Colts for winning that game, or did the Broncos lose it? I, there's a, It literally, there was a time where that game looked like the hot potato that nobody wanted to be holding on to, right? It was like, here, you, you, I mean, yeah, they I will give it. credit to the Colts in this regard. In the overtime, when they had to, they went down the field and they scored. But then they allowed Denver right back down there, and if it were not for 
a, a boneheaded play by Russell Wilson. I, I mean, was he concussed? And, and I say that in all seriousness, Jake. What was worse, the fourth and one decision by Wilson or the third and four interception he threw to Gilmore there just before the two-minute warning? Yeah, I mean, that was... <laughs> he could have scrambled for the first down there that would have let them pretty much ice the clock down. McManus, well, they wouldn't even need to have kicked the field goal, right? They were up three at that point, weren't yeah, they? Yeah, that's correct. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, like all the skepticism that I, I've tried to say here in the first ten minutes... That all is there for me, Jake. But at the same time, I think I, I definitely want to acknowledge Alec Pierce, Chase McLaughlin. And a theme we've had through the first month of the season, Jake, has been your highest paid guys are not paying are not playing to that level. Last night, Gilmore, Buckner, yeah, Kenny Buckner Moore made the biggest pl- one of the biggest plays of the night. The coin flip. Well, <laughs> that's a good one. He did bat that ball away that probably would have been a touchdown down the seam. Um, Grover Stewart had the block field goal. Huge moment there in the third quarter. I thought your defensive stars finally sniffed the contract value that they are earning. Yeah, that's fair. And so I, I, I do want to acknowledge that. And I thought, honestly, on the last play of the game, the Colts felt like had gotten a tough one. I believe Bernard Ryman just got whistled for another penalty, by the way. Oh, jeez. Um, was I'll be back? Was that like? <laughs> I'll be on my back is what he okay. meant to say. That's what it was. Okay. Thank you for clarifying that. <laughs> That's I was, what I was he meant curious to say. What, what, yeah. he, what he meant by that. Um, he said, I'll be back. And the defense is like, yeah, please be. Yes. I thought he was saying More. to his native land in Austria, like, I'll, I'll be back. My, my, my NFL stay is not going to last very long. Um, I thought the Colts got a, a tough whistle at times last night. So I thought Gilmore getting away with a little grabbiness with um, Cortland Sutton in the end zone was totally fair. This one for Mr. Gilmore. Now, let me, let me tell you something else that I thought was introduced last night. And this will be something maybe we can ask Jeff Saturday, who's going to join us in the 9 o'clock hour. When is Jonathan Taylor's contract? When is he up for a new contract? Kevin. Uh, Jonathan Taylor is in year three of four on his rookie deal. So did we see last night, did did Chris Ballard and Jim Irsay and Frank Reich and whoever else is going to be around when that time comes, did we see last night that shelling out top dollar to retain Jonathan Taylor is probably not as important as you think? I know he's a great player. I don't dispute that in any way, shape, or form. But is there any quarterback or is there any position in the NFL in 2022 that is more interchangeable than running back? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, we said it yesterday during this opening segment. There's not a more replaceable position in football than Correct. running back. Correct. Deion Jackson, Phillip Lindsay, 24 carries for 82 yards. So right around four a pop for them. And you had been at that number with Taylor. And, and they got good play out of them when they needed it, right? I mean, they were able to. Use them out of the backfield. And, I mean, they got – I thought those guys both played well. Yeah, I would agree. Six of 31 on third down, six fumbles, 12 punts, 0 for 6 in the red zone. Uh, ESPN threw out this stat afterwards. The Colts are the first team to win a football game since 1973 without scoring a touchdown, throwing multiple interceptions, and being sacked at least six times. <laughs> well, Where were you in 1973, Jake? Uh, I was probably Max Bowen, right? Depending on when it was in 1973. 
this so I I would have been just over a year old. I would have been basically doing what the Colts were doing for the better part of last night, filling diapers and puking on myself. <laughs> if you that might have been more exciting, actually. Yeah. I think I would have been there all for that. All right. What surprise is going to be in this diaper? Um, if you are the head of NFL programming for ESPN. Are to you... be fair, I was doing that until like seven years ago. But what's that? If you are the head of uh, the NFL programming for ESPN, are you uh, looking into how we get the Colts off of Monday Night Football? Boy, that did do him any favors. We want more primetime games. Like, yeah, sit down. Sit down, Jim. We're not doing any more primetime games with you guys for a while. I, I I just think this is my worry right now. At 2-2-1, two, two, and one, that should be, like, the definition of average, right? Two wins, two losses, and a tie. And in the five games times four quarters, so that's 20 quarters. Well, let's throw out the overtimes. In the 20 quarters of football the Colts have played this season, they've been the better team than their opponent in what? Three of them? Four of them? That's where it's concerning. It's not like you have been even 10 or 11 quarters of, okay, there are moments where you are clearly offensively, defensively, special teams, the better football team than your opponent. Um, And again, it just has this weird feel of, this season will get brushed under the rug. And I think it's really dangerous for the future of the franchise. I just, it just feels to me like they're just stuck in the mud. I mean, you know, here's a text I got. Jake, that win in that fashion was the worst-case scenario. They're going to keep kicking the can down the road yep. on some yep. much-needed pressure and changes. Who's that from? I got to run the number here. If you just sent me this from the 965 number, send me your name. I just want to give him credit because I, I could not agree more on that. I, I mean, that's the that's the takeaway for me is the fact that, sure, it's a win. Which is such a, it's such a and, weird thing to say on October 7th. It's just a thing where everybody exhaled. The pressure's off for 10 days now. They're like, okay, we can regather ourselves. We we didn't blow this game. Like That's all it is. Like you said, just kicking the can down the road. It's... There's no solutions coming. Aaron is who sent that, by the way. Somebody asked in the chat. I can't find where it was off the top of the head. Say, Colts get a higher draft pick than the Pacers. Bet. That's a scary thing to think about in October. Boy, that is. No. The Colts need a higher draft pick than the Pacers. But the Pacers are legit, like, tearing it down. Right. Like, they're trying to be bad on purpose. The Colts are, for all their... Well, like I said yesterday, the Pacers... The Pacers at least have been transparent about it. The Pacers have said, like, listen, right. here's what we're doing. The, the, here's the thing. Well, the Colts aren't hiding, are, aren't trying to hide something, Jake. They literally believe right, that right, they are good. Right. The, the, the difference between the Pacers and the Colts right now is that with the Pacers, there is – we don't know what direction it's going to go. We don't know that it's going to work out, but there is at least a game plan. For the Colts, there is a level of what is the game plan? What is the long-term game plan here? So you have a left guard, a tailback, a middle linebacker, and a couple of pass rushers that are showing to be pretty good, but they're going to be exiting their prime when who in the hell ever your quarterback is going to be is just starting to get his footing underneath them in the NFL. Unless you just keep kicking the can on 
38-year-old guys that literally look like their arm is jello. I, what's the game plan? We'll take your calls, 317-239-1070. The Colts, uh, was, I don't even know what the final score was. 12-9. Jake, 12 to 9. 12 to 9. Hey, Jake, uh, the good news is we don't have to watch the Colts play Sunday. That's what I said. I said we all need this 10-day break. Brad in the oh YouTube God, chat says, says the Colts aren't stuck in a mud puddle. Mud is easy to is cheap to wash off. They're stuck in an oil spill. Oof. Boy, hard to disagree with that. That's pretty strong. Uh, Quiddy Pay carted off last night. It was an ankle injury. I think Joel Erickson had that Quiddy was on crutches in the locker room afterwards. Um, obviously, that will be a big injury to keep an eye on. And you hate to see what happened to Naheem Hines. The Hines hit, I don't know about you guys, but I didn't even, I, I feel like I've seen a lot more direct hits to the head. That one to me didn't even look like it was like, Boy, you know, he, his head got knocked off like you see guys over the middle of the field, and yet he got up and he didn't oh, know what. Man. I mean, and I'm not making light of it. He didn't know what direction no. he was walking. I thought it was God, more was of scary. a reaction of his. I thought his head hit the hit the field. I thought that's what did it, not the hit okay. itself. But I thought his head smacked. You know, that would make a little bit guys. More I'll sense. be honest with you, and and I don't want to be overreactionary. I don't want to be hyperbole. And, and I get it. I understand these guys love playing the game. I understand they make good money. I, I get all that. And I understand the feeling of immortality that one has in their 20s. I had it too. But, man, if I'm Naeem Hines or I'm Tua Tungvaloa and I'm watching video and I'm seeing myself in that situation, I'm taking a long, hard look at, like, I, that's it. I mean, I'm looking at guys when – when they do the Hall of Fame enshrinement and guys can barely walk out on the field and I'm looking at one situation like that and listening to players and guys that I that I know that are my age that played in the league that have daily struggles and I'm like, that's it. I mean, that's scary stuff, man. Scary, yeah. scary stuff. Absolutely hate to see that for Hines. Um, Ryan Kelly left with a hip. Uh, how do you think they'll pick the starting offensive line against Jacksonville next they, Sunday? I was thinking like pin question. the tail on blue maybe. That's exactly right. I, it's funny you mentioned that. I, that's what I'd heard is they have a wheel that they spin. Uh-huh. They, they actually got Union Jack over in Speedway. Yeah. Just uh, closed, and they had an auction where they auctioned off a lot of the, the interior. Uh, my understanding is there's a shoe carnival from uh, East Washington Street, they did the same thing. Pace or the Colts won the wheel. The the wheel you spin for discounts and things. They gotcha. won and the linemen they do it each each Monday. Actually, it's supposed to be a fun activity. It's one of the fun things they do in the complex on Mondays. Determine next week's starting roster. I thought it was gonna be one of those. Okay, come out to the blueing of the canal and you can pick the starting right guard. <laughs> You, buddy, off the street, you want to play? <laughs> no. They may be at that position. At, uh, let me ask you this, and, and I know we're way over here. We'll get to the check down and everything coming up in a second, Kevin. But um, God love him. I mean, nothing against him as a guy, but I, his Matt, his Matt Pryor, like, do you remember the game Cliffhanger on, on Price is Right? Oh, one of my favorites. It's the best, right? The yodeling guy? Oh, yeah. Prior to the lady, 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 Prior to the Olay to Bradley Chubb, one of those times. <laughs> he did. But, you know, the cliffhanger, when it gets to the end of the cliff, remember, I mean, it just falls off. Like, it just disappears. In terms of getting pushed on the offensive line depth chart, is Matt Pryor now just about to fall off of that cliff? Like, is he? he's, he's right there. 
And, I mean, they've moved him around now. But the problem is, are they going to have to put Pryor back at left tackle? Like, what's well, going I, on? I think the guy that will catch him will be this man. I'm Bernard Ryman, and I'll be back. <laughs> Do you think that means back on the bench? <laughs> wow. I mean, he, he, he had a few. Didn't they show one play where Bernard Ryman, uh, like, slipped and fell forward and then tried to tackle a guy? And at one point, I think Danny Pinter had a sack. Did he not? <laughs> I, I say this in all seriousness, and we can get in the offensive line. We obviously will with Jeff Saturday. The Colts have a honestly, they have a real decision to make, and if their contract values weren't at the level that they're at, there would be no decision. But honestly, if you're going to go play a football game next Sunday, I'd rather have Danny Pinter at center than Ryan Kelly. I, I would agree with that. I would agree with that. Which is so sad to say considering where you're at with the offensive line. 317-239-1070. Do you think the sun will rise today, or is it just one of those days where, you know, <laughs> the, we, we just The cloud of that game has moved, oh, and it was a beautiful night outside last night here and in Denver. Right? For those that believe in a higher being, I think, you know, that higher being might just say, no sun in Denver, no sun in Indianapolis yeah. today. You guys don't deserve it tonight. No sun. Jeff Bezos has requested it, therefore it shall be. Uh, Kevin Bowen, Jake Query, Mark Dykton, 93.5. One- the Morning Checkdown. Omaha! 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 Brought to you by Ball State Football. Get your tickets at BallStateSports.com. Omaha! On 93.5 and 107.5 The Fan. No team has ever won uglier than the Colts did last night, 12-9. to It's the first time they have won a regular season game without a touchdown since 2003. Stephon Gilmore put the game on ice last night on a fourth and one in overtime. Afterwards, here was Frank Reich on the 32-year-old corner. Yeah, that's exactly right. That's the definition of a big-time player, making making the plays in the moment, and he made the two huge plays. I mean, massive plays. He's a pro, man. The guy's a great player. Um, just lifted the defense. They were already playing great, and then those big plays obviously helped win that game. This one from Mr. Gilmore. <laughs> hey, he was big. I mean, the pick that he had, you know, I don't know who Russell Wilson was throwing that to late. But that play he made, again, on the fourth down from Russell Wilson, I just didn't understand the decision. Not to take away from Gilmore's play, Kevin, but I just didn't understand why you don't just tuck and run. You need They needed literally a half a yard. Yeah, I was a bit confused by three straight runs. They didn't have to score that. a touchdown there, right? Well, they they were playing for the win. You know, they, no, I, I they get it. could have kicked a field goal and... <laughs> We would have had to watch two more minutes of that. So thank well, right. you to Nathaniel Hackett for not doing that. Well, I guess they were out. Of, were they out of timeouts? Uh, I think you get two in overtime, and they had taken one right. Yeah, so snap. I mean, maybe you only get one in overtime. But I, I will echo what I said in the first seg- segment of your defensive stars. I mean, how good was DeForest Buckner last night? Yeah, he was big on Sunday. He played 19 snaps, didn't have a tackle last night with the same little contraption. Or I shouldn't say little, big contraption on his elbow, eight tackles. Two sacks, a pass defense. Uh, I thought he set up Yannick Ngakwe on the other sack. Uh, outstanding by the Colts' defensive stars last night. Russell Wilson sucks, by the way. Uh, have you seen the picture going around Twitter right now about Russell Wilson in Denver? It's the picture of Tiger Woods' mugshot saying this is Russell Wilson in Denver. 
I mean, that's pretty accurate so far, right? They gave him a lot of money. Uh, they're they're kind of hamstrung, I would and, think. And, right? and they to, gave up a lot of draft capital to get them. To too. be fair, I did pick Denver because I said Russell Wilson would make the difference late. Technically, that's right. You know, I got a that win, right, I think. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Baby steps here. Colts 10 days off before Jacksonville inside of Lucas Oil Stadium next Sunday. Uh, by the way, Major League Baseball playoffs get underway today, right? Schedule is Tampa at Cleveland. That game first pitch 12:07. Then in the AL, uh, that's the AL wild card, obviously. In the National League, Philadelphia at St. Louis against the future World Series champion Cardinals. 2:07 first pitch. Uh, late afternoon, Seattle at Toronto, four o'clock, and then San Diego at the Mets at eight o'clock tonight, rounding out the Major League Baseball playoffs opening day. Will any of those games have more runs than points in the Colts game last night? <laughs> It's not Boy. a high bar to cross, I don't think. I mean, can you imagine, like, the Cardinals beat the Phillies 12-10. <laughs> uh, college football this weekend, a couple noon kickoffs for the state schools. That'll be Indiana hosting Michigan. Last I saw, that line was creeping above three touchdowns. I think it was like 22 uh, for that game in Bloomington. Purdue is at Maryland um, that one right around a field goal spread. Notre Dame's got BYU in Vegas. Catholics and Mormons in Vegas tomorrow night. Catholics and Mormons in Vegas is how you looked at that. Okay, uh, we'll continue enough. the Colts conversation. We come back, 317-239-1070. The phone lines, as you would expect, they are filled up. Uh, we'll continue to break down what that was last night and how grateful we are that it ended when it did. Kevin Aquari, 93.5, 107.5, the fan. So the Colts get a win last night in Denver on what was a gorgeous night, I guess, in the Denver climate. It was certainly a perfect evening here and then a garbage football game. And my concern would be if there is a concern that you could have after a win. And my apologies for those of you Colts fans that got up this morning and said, like, you know, oh, man, awesome, like, win Friday. And I get it. A win's a win. But Kevin Bowen, the reality is this. I have my concerns about the win, odd as that may seem, but I'll give you the floor. Your overall assessment and thought process after last night's 12-9 overtime win in the Mile High City. Yeah, individually, again, the defensive stars delivered. Chase McLaughlin, Alec Pierce, um, massive. Uh, someone just texted me, wanted to make sure we shout out Rodney Thomas the second out of Yale, the rookie. Um, big time as well, but my overall thought exiting last night, once my eyes stopped bleeding, once I uttered the phrase to myself, quoting Jack Buck, I don't believe what I just saw, was um, this is a franchise that I'm really, really nervous about moving forward. Um, I think this season could get swept under the rug. Um, and they could run it back with all key parties involved, and that would just delay the inevitable. And that's a scary thought to be in. It's an offense that is broken on the offensive line, the highest-paid offensive line. I've never seen an NFL team in early October look at an O-line, let alone one as heavily invested as the Colts, and change three starters on a week where you did not practice. No practice. And the result? Matt Ryan almost got killed. On several occasions, and Ryan threw interceptions that you won't see happen on a Friday night at seven o'clock around your local high school venue. Um, 
And what I heard from Frank Reich and Jim Mercer after the game last night was not critical evaluation, was not accountability, and that has been extremely worrisome for me over the past few weeks, few months, and really in this tenure. Um, and I heard it a lot more from the locker room than I did the leaders of that organization. And if you think last night was acceptable, um, that's just so sad and sorry that the franchise has gotten to the level of that's the standard. That's the standard. So you won. I guess you're relevant in the AFC South, but overall, Jake, I feel worse about the Colts' overall product, not only for this season, but certainly moving forward than I did this time yesterday. Here are the issues that concern me after last night, and I know it's a win. I get it. And they're within striking distance. They now are in the lead, technically, in the AFC South. I get it. They have yet to win a game within the division, though. Last night was also big because it's possible, hard to say after seeing what I saw, but going into it, I thought perhaps they were playing a team that they would be later jockeying with in position for a wild card seed. You know, crazy as that sounds. I don't know about now with Denver. That team looked terrible. But here's what is of concern to me. All of the areas that the Colts have created concern about reared their ugly head at some point last night. They preached their depth. On the offensive line, they, on a week of no practice, as you very um, astutely pointed out, Kevin, they decided to change around their offensive line and throw them out there, and they were terrible. There's no depth there. There's no way that a team that you consider to have depth on the offensive line is starting Matt Pryor. Period. I I mean, there's no depth there. There, There's depth in the fact that they all equally are average. Sure. That offensive line is not good. The Alec Pierce did play well. There's a, there's a bright spot there. Clearly they have found something in Alec Pierce and, and he played well. And two running backs who had their number called went out there and played well. Now I mentioned earlier what we saw last night. And I get a text from somebody, see, why you got to hate on Jonathan Taylor? I don't hate on Jonathan Taylor at all. He's a wonderful player. What I'm saying is, if you're going to pay Jonathan Taylor in two years, and I could see the Colts being dumb enough to do it because they like to make big splashes in irrelevant positions, they're going to make some big deal out of paying Jonathan Taylor as the highest paid running back in the league. When you saw last night that you can get 70% the production that Jonathan Taylor provides you and do so at 10% the cost. But they're too dumb to figure that out or too arrogant to figure it out because they're going to tell us that they're smarter than everybody else in this position. The thing that concerns me about last night are two things. Number one, the Colts are boring. They're boring. There's nothing exciting about watching them play. They Sure, they won, but they won ugly. But they're boring, and seemingly to them, that is acceptable. And maybe it is because they won, and that's what the job is, is for them to win games. But they won over a team that has no idea what it's doing in Denver, who's the only – the one good news is last night it illuminated that the Colts are not the team that has most screwed up the quarterback position. The Broncos did because they paid Russell Wilson a ton of money and handcuffed themselves. But – and Russell Wilson looked terrible. But the other thing is it just to me, the one problem with winning that game was I worry that that leads – Jim Mersey, Frank Reich, and Chris Ballard into thinking that everything's okay and that that was acceptable. Yep. That, that is scary. 
because that wasn't acceptable because are people excited 10 days from now to go watch the Jacksonville Jaguars play that that we saw last night? I know they won the game. I get it. And kudos to them late in the game when they made plays when they had to. I Tip of the cap there. But I, I'm watching the game and I'm thinking to myself, people can't be entertained or inspired by this. Now, here's the thing. Football's a game of inches. I get it. It's, you're that close. You're that close in the pendulum swing between your season collapsing and saying, like, there's a great win. Let's go, guys, as Jim Mercer was saying. Here's the Denver side of things. Listen to this real quick and tell me it, literally if you couldn't just – if these two guys in Denver – if this isn't exactly what we would be saying right now, had last night the Colts not blocked a field goal and Russell Wilson not had a boneheaded move and Denver ends up winning that game. Here is uh, the television. Lyle Bienvenu, I think, is the guy talking here, if I'm not mistaken. But uh, this is the television post-game show from Denver last night talking about the Broncos. We'll try to create some answers for you over the next hour or so. But first off, Troy, I feel the need to just apologize to the viewers. I know we didn't play. We didn't really even run this broadcast. But the fact that you had to watch that on our air, I feel bad. I was here and I didn't even want to watch it. Where do we begin? Well, listen, it burns the retinas. It was that awful. Both teams stunk offensively. What was most shocking is they were in position as ugly as it was to win the game, very like that Texans game we saw a few weeks ago. And then Russell Wilson made two of the most face palm throws he's made in recent years. The one to K.J. Hamler throws it up for grabs. They were in field goal range there. And then, Nick, they're driving near the two-minute warning. Durden Ford inexplicably tries to get a pass to Tyree Cleveland. It's an errant pass. It gets picked. That's what allows them to go to over. It just makes no sense. It's just illogical. Then you get to the fourth and one. Season on the line, Nick. And what do they do? They go out of the shotgun, which has not worked once in the red zone all year, and yet they do it again. Pretty much what we'd be saying, right? The Colts stunk less than the Broncos stunk. That's how you summarize last night. Uh, we got some calls to get to, 317-239-1070. I did want to mention this about the offensive line, Jake. That combination we saw last night, Bernard Ryman at left tackle, Quint Nelson at left guard, Ryan Kelly at center until he exited and Danny Pinter took over. It was a hip injury for Kelly. You had uh, Braden Smith playing right guard, which is where he played primarily in college, but has not played in the NFL. And then at right tackle, you had Matt Pryor. That is a group that we saw together for probably uh, four of like 60-some periods at Grand Park in training camp. So it's not even like that unit was something they explored every third day for the entire practice. It it's, was really just kind of thrown at the wall without any practice. Last night, if you look at the money invested, Quentin Nelson, the highest paid guard in the NFL, Ryan Kelly, the fourth highest paid center in the NFL, and Brain Smith sliding over to right guard would have been the second highest paid guard in the NFL. So think about that. First, second, and I think fourth, although Kelly, might he might be up to third in highest paid center. And that group leads to a six-sack night for Matt Ryan. Kevin, I want to be... Six penalties, I think, for the entire offensive line. Uh, Dennis Kelly has got to start a week from Saturday, or a week from Sunday. I want to be 
sensitive to this. I'm, I'm not in any way, shape, or form making light of it. I'm simply trying to offer and, and theorize and find an explanation. Ryan Kelly has been a nice player for the Colts. Probably a little overpaid now, but that's what happens. Guys have good starts and then they get a little bit overpaid. That's fine. We know from last year's hard knocks that Ryan Kelly, very gracefully with his wife, were very candid about a very difficult family situation that happened with them. Kevin, I don't know whether that's related or not, and I'm not making light of it at all. I'm simply offering it as explanation, but he has regressed. I don't know if he's hurt. I don't know what the situation may be. I don't know if that's a factor, and I'm not making light of it in any way, shape, or form other than to say that since he had personal tragedy and missed time a year ago, understandably and respectfully so, he has regressed, though, since then, and when the anchor of your line regresses, it brings everybody else down with them, right? Not to mention, two spots over in the most important position, arguably, on a football field other than the quarterback, you have a general manager that just refused to address it. Literally, just keep shopping at TJ Maxx. It's like if, if somebody says to you, like, hey, we're having a party and we really need you to bring, like, the finest chocolate possible. So you're like, oh, okay, and you keep forgetting all week long to get chocolate, and then finally you go to TJ Maxx to get yourself a discount tie, and while you're waiting in line, they've got the two-day past expiration date toddler on bar for 79 cents. And you're like, oh, yeah, I forgot. I got to get the chocolate too. That's how they've addressed the left tackle situation for, like, three straight. Everyone in town knew Anthony Costanzo was going to retire. Except for the Colts, I picture the Spider Man, Spider Man meme of Matt Ryan begging for the Atlanta offensive line and the Colts begging for Carson Wentz's decision making. <laughs> uh huh. Matt Ryan has now been sacked twenty times in five games. With Frank Reich, Andrew Luck was sacked eighteen times. Philip Rivers was sacked nineteen times. I mean, Matt Ryan. That would be for the entire season, by the way. 18 and 19. Matt Ryan, 20 sacks in five games. Matt Ryan's, like, sack total is, like, half. It's already half of, like, what his career high in sacks is. Yeah. Like, a season, his season high is 48. He's his, at 21 through five games already. I'm curious on Sunday with in Jacksonville, or I guess a week from Sunday, that game's at Lucas Oil, when Matt Ryan fumbles for the 12th time this year, and that ties his career high, do you think they'll stop the game and put that on the Jumbotron for acknowledgement? <laughs> do they hand him the ball and he drops it? Oh, okay. That was kind of like me fumbling what? my water yesterday in our meeting. Yeah, yeah that, that was, was nice. That yeah, was that was very good. Yeah. 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 The, the boss comes and, in and immediately you wet yourself. Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, I was like, hey, Melvin Gordon, who tried to fumble it one time last night, although his knee was down on that one. All right, we'll take some calls. 8 o'clock hour coming up here on Kevin and Quarry, 317-239-1070. Jeff Saturday. Will join us in the nine o'clock hour. Still a ton to unpack from last night. Twelve nine. If you fell asleep during the game, consider that the biggest win of twenty twenty two for your life. Uh, Eight o'clock hour next. Sometimes a game can be, at least to this point, so bad it's almost good. You know what I'm saying? No. Under six minutes to go until halftime. Kylan grants it in motion to the left side. Ball between the hash marks. Matt Ryan on play action. He's dancing in the pocket. Good protection. Fires over the middle. Picked off at the 15-yard line. Right now they're trying to get back inside the red zone for a manageable field goal here for Chase McLaughlin. Scanning. Again in trouble. And it goes down the fourth time. Mm. 
Wake up. Hey. Hello. Hello. And the Boo Birds out here at In Power Field as McManus on for the third time to try a field goal. That was just a matter of time. This is going to be a 34-yard field goal. It's blocked by the Colts. It ricochets into the end zone, and the Colts get a big block. Out of the gun goes Ryan. Shotgun snap. Backs the pass. He's going to chuck it over the middle and might be intercepted. Not going to wake up. Okay, hello. Can you hear me? Wake up. Wake up. I don't like this. Wilson fakes it to Gordon. In the pocket. Throws up field. Picked off by the Colts. Into the end zone. It's Stephon Gilmore. This one for Mr. Gilmore. Chase McLaughlin, four for four tonight. And the Colts have the lead in overtime. It's 12 to nine. There is no such thing as an ugly win. We're not happy about 2-2-1, two, two but I mean, we're right there. We're right in the mix. What the hell just happened? When that was getting ugly. Somehow, someway, the Colts win 12-9. to I felt like today should have been a holiday for Indianapolis and Denver. You made it through? Right. If you stayed up until the final whistle... Which we did. You get paid time off at some point. Hey, calm day for everybody. Listen. Calm day for everybody. I mean, Denver fans left the game early. If you want to summarize the game in one scene with the game tied going to overtime on a gorgeous Thursday night... At 9.30 local time, Broncos fans said, later. And in one of the NFL's most passionate cities. One of the best road environments you'll ever be in. Also, uh, that audio that you just heard along with some of the other things you hear over the course of this show were put together by Mark Dykton on the shortest of short turnarounds because the game didn't end until after 12. We were obviously on the air at 7. Mark had to get in here early to put that together, so kudos to that as well. There wasn't many highlights to put together. It didn't take them long. <laughs> the Al Michaels to Kirk Herbstreet bit there at the start was pretty good. Al Michaels did say last night, quote, it's the kind of game you'd like as your fifth CBS regional. <laughs> Should they have brought Spiro out of the bullpen for that one? <laughs> here he comes. <laughs> uh, let's get some calls. We haven't taken any yet. We'll do that here. Jeff Saturday going to join us in about an hour. Let's begin with Paul. Paul, good morning. Good morning, fellas. Kevin first, Kevin, first of all, I want to apologize to you for Monday calling you the wrong name. Uh, I, just, <laughs> I had a co-worker in my face trying to distract me, so I apologize. All good. Secondly, um, that is the worst performance I've seen in the Colts team in a long time, and that goes back to the 80s when we had Butler, Bill Brooks, and all those guys. I've never seen a coach team perform so poorly. They were fortunate enough to get a win, and that's only because Denver was worse than we are. I'm, I'm, I'm not satisfied, and if Ursay is satisfied with that, then he needs to check himself. Frank Reich should not be here after this year. Let's let's ride Matt Ryan out, and then after this year, get rid of him. If it wasn't a problem for him to get rid of Carson Wentz and he was still under contract, there should not be a problem for him to get rid of Matt Ryan. Matt Ryan is not the right quarterback for this team, and he will never be. We need to we need to at the end of this year, we need to change it out and just start over because I am so frustrated as a Colts fan that this is ridiculous. Like I said, Kevin, I want to apologize to you for that for Monday, but I'm 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 even after a win, I'm disgusted with this team. Forty, uh, excuse me, thirty-five 
million dollars. That is the cap hit next year for Matt Ryan. Do you think the Commanders will take that? Like they did with Wentz? <laughs> Fool me once, shame on you, right? I, listen. The Panthers, the Panthers might. They might be like, hey, we have Sam Darnold, Baker Mayfield. I, Who else can we take? I hate to keep making comparisons to the Pacers. I know that's unfair. But this is starting to feel like when the Pacers were just stuck in that, like, eight-seed, seven-seed purgatory for, like, five straight years, and it's like, you know, Troy Murphy and Mike Dunleavy and, you know, rolling that into Karis LeVert is the answer and you know, and Sabonis is going to put up double-doubles. Okay, you've gone from 42 wins to 46 wins. That's what this quarterback carousel feels like for the Colts. Jake, on October 7th, I'm getting legitimate questions, as I know you are as well, on if the Colts should start Nick Foles or Sam Ellinger. Yes. I... And the fact that I'm not immediately laughing at those questions is such a glaring issue at the most Here's the thing. They're in sport. position right now. I mean, they, they now have the lead in their division. Great. Wonderful. So you know what? They win the division. They get a home playoff game, and they either and then if they win that, they go on the road and then just cue up Aerosmith because it's same old story, same old song and dance. Let's go, right? to, let's go to Sean. Sean's up next. Good morning, Sean. Hey, what's going on? Two things. One, Frank Reich is a loser, not in the sense of wins, losses, in the sense of uh, as a person. Uh, players don't respect him. Nobody's scared of him. They can all just kind of do their job and do it poorly. Two, Jake, would you stop tweeting what's going to happen before the play happens? We know you're listening to the radio. It's pathetic. It's sad. Did he hang up? All right. Sean's out of here. Uh, I'm not listening to the radio, actually. I should because I work here. Uh, but I don't have – I'm watching it on Amazon Prime like everybody else. But, hey, Sean, thanks for following me on Twitter, though. Appreciate it. Frank Reich post The fact that you're following me on Twitter during the game is actually more pathetic and sad than anything else. So, thank you. I appreciate the fact that I have multimedia reach that you absorb in multiple areas. Frank Reich post game last night. Uh, I, I'm pretty disappointed in his reactions. And that would be why? The comments from him, him and Jim Irsay believing that like Frank wouldn't even answer a question about the offense, a, a, a question about you now have gone seven straight games with 20 points or less. That is the worst stretch for this franchise since 1993. And Frank doesn't want to go there. And this has been a major concern of mine with this organization for over a year now. Ever since Jim Mercer handed out those contract extensions to Ballard and Reich, I sat there and thought to myself, this is a message that Ursay is sending to his GM, his head coach, and the entire fan base that mediocre is acceptable and rewarded. And that tone, financial tone that Ursay gave them last August, I think it's felt in the locker room, and I think it's felt from ownership and, frankly, from the general manager as well. And when your leaders spew that tone – Inevitably, I think your players just feel a level of complacency with that, and I think the product on the field has indicated that. You've gotten off to awful starts all year long, and everything that's been built offensively into that O-line and into whatever you're trying to do, you are the worst offense in the NFL. Uh, by the way, CBS last night sent a tweet, thanks to Greg Kiley for sending this to me, right after the game. Broncos nip Colts in overtime, 12-9. <laughs> 
Good work. It was so bad they didn't even know who won the game. Good work by the intern on that one. Uh, let's go to David. What's up, David? Hey, how are you? Good. Thanks for calling. Uh, that's good. Hey, um, I'm a longtime Colts fan. In, I live in Chicago now, and I've seen a lot of bad quarterback play uh, living in Chicago. What Matt Ryan is doing is horrible, and I don't understand why, you know, it, it, it seems like the team gives him a pass, or Frank Wright gives him a pass um, because the, the offensive line is so bad. That first interception he threw, he had a clean pocket. There was no problem whatsoever with his protection. And he threw that ball into a if, – if the, 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 if the safety who didn't intercept it, um, he didn't intercept it, another uh, Bronco would have intercepted it. It was horrible. He takes points off the board. They were in field goal range. They could have scored then. Um, he fumbled the ball at least twice again you know, last night. He's unfixable. And he takes sacks. Yeah, he's been sacked 16 times, and the offensive line has been terrible. But now, if you just get close to him, he lays down. David, he so, took a so, sack last night, like on a third and ten. And thank you for the call. We we got a lot of people that that we want to get to today. He took a sack last night on a third and ten, where you were right on the edge of field goal range. And again, Jake, this is why you supposedly made this trade to get a quarterback that understands down and distance, time and score. The ability pre-snap to acknowledge, okay, Denver's showing something here towards the right side of our line. You know, I need to maybe slide a little bit to the left earlier or anticipate that, and I got to get rid of the ball. Instead, what happens? He takes a sack. The chance for any Chase, Chase McLaughlin field goal is gone, and now you're punting the ball away. His mistakes to me, I think there's physical questions. You know, Alec Pierce luckily runs under all these ducks. I think there's physical questions, but to me, the fact that there's more of the mental questions – about him at this point of the season is so alarming. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, listen, there's a lot of alarm, Kevin. And the challenge is this. In talking about whether or not, as you had mentioned earlier, and I get a lot of Sam Ellinger, and that's the one that people are like, look, it's time to at least – at least he's the guy that, that theoretically you could keep around for a while if you have something in him. But – if you are talking about making some sort of a change at the quarterback position or moving on from Matt Ryan, which I get, but they're in first place, right? But again, we, we've got to get like... I'm playing devil's advocate there, I don't know, get me wrong. I know, and I'm currently rubbing my temple trying to not go off too much, but the AFC South cannot be the cure-all. Playing in a insert word here that everyone's thinking type of division cannot be what sweeps the season under the rug. And that's what is really worrisome to me. Mark, who should we get to next? Uh, Let's go to Daniel. Daniel, what's up? How are you guys doing? This is a football algebra guy from a couple weeks ago. Okay, here we go. Uh, Yes. Is X on the left or right side of the equation here? (laughs) Well, today I've got some imaginary numbers for you. If you guys remember that nightmare from high school, square roots of negative numbers. 
I found myself rooting for us to get a tie yesterday so we could get that magic two ties, right? So one, two, two. Yeah. That that would be a hang. I was actually moment, I was right? actually looking up to see if one a one two two is like a crime code, like a double one eighty seven. And then this actually happened. I found myself going out of that scoregami thing to find out there was a score that could be accomplished <laughs> that had never happened before. I was like, Oh, please give me something to, you know, find interesting about this. But there is hope still. Because we can go two, two, and two next week. <laughs> Unicorn of mediocrity. Daniel, so, always the optimist. So I Daniel, Daniel, the math optimist. If, if your tutor doesn't work out, you and Daniel got to get together. That would be two cubed, by the way, would it not? If they were oh, two, two, geez. and two, isn't that right? That's. I think that's right. Uh, let's get to Willie. What's up, there's, Willie? there's hope, he says. <laughs> Willie, good morning. Hey, uh, let you me lie. try. I listen to you. I listen to you every morning. I love that. Thank you. It means a lot. Uh, hey, so, <clears throat> you know, I am a passionate Colts fan, and usually I am an emotional wreck during these games. And going into the game last night, you know, I was pretty chill. I thought, you know what, if we win, great. If we lose, maybe we'll get some much-needed changes, you know, per the Peter King report. And, you know, late in the fourth quarter, when we tied it up, I just rolled my eyes and I thought, this is crap. I, I actually was kind of hoping that we would lose so we might get some a speck of hope or some kind of change that shows that they're re- willing to move in some kind of different direction because what we got now ain't working. Willie, let me ask you something. How old a fella are you? Uh, 42. So you're 42. You've been a Colts fan for how long? Uh, since 2003. Okay. So – in that capacity, you said you're a pretty emotional guy during games. Maybe you, like, pace every once in a while or can't watch a certain play, that kind of thing. My face gets beat red and hot, blood pressure. I don't know why. <laughs> this, this game just does it for me. Okay. So is this, Willie, the first time and, – and, I mean, I'm not even kidding. I'm being serious. Is this the first time that late in a game you had the epiphany of realizing that win or lose, you necessarily didn't care? Uh, you know, the suck for luck season, I think there were some moments like that. But during that time, you knew that there was uh, better roads ahead. Now, I don't know what the heck is going on. I don't know what we're going to do. If we could keep winning these meaningless games, we're never going to be in a spot where we can get the guy. And if you don't have the guy in this current NFL, you ain't got nothing. Willie, thank you for the call. Jake, I think of all the calls we'll get today or all the tweets we'll get, that sentiment from Willie right there sums up the vast majority of the fans. Totally, and that's the one that I said off the top, Kevin, should most concern Jim Irsay. The last thing, in the NFL, you got three choices. You can be really good, and we've seen that in this town. Starting out 10-0, 12-0, 14-0, we've seen that. We know what that feels like. You can be really bad. We've seen that in this town. Suck for luck. The you know the, the late 80s, early 90s, benching Dickerson. I, we've seen that. Or you can be the one that Jim Mercer should most fear. And that is totally boring to the point of your fan base seeing no light at the end of the tunnel and checking out and finding something else to do. And I would argue right now, that's the biggest piece of the pie of the fan base. Yes. Willie's thoughts is the biggest piece of the pie, and that is and it's accurate because right now, in my opinion, this is a bad football team. 
and it's a football team without direction at the most important position in sports and a $35 million cap hit, Matt Ryan, that would be, I think, the seventh highest in the NFL among quarterbacks next season. That's worrisome. And I feel like the Colts are going to find this way, Jake, where they're going to get to like seven or eight wins. And then where does that put you? That puts you in the middle of round one. Well, that's it. That's I So mean, Bryce Young goes one, C.J. Stroud goes two, and Houston's happy and Detroit's happy because they have their two quarterbacks of the future. They've become the 2017 Miami Dolphins. And then here are the Colts just saying, well, let's run it back with Matt Ryan. Let's get another pass rusher. Uh, take Tony. Tony wants to talk, too. Let's do Tony. Tony what's good, man? Tony. Hey, Tony. Tony. Okay. Well, maybe he'll call back then. By the way, it, at some point, I did not hear this, uh-huh. but several people texted or tweeted me about it. Did they call, did the refs at some point last night call the Colts San Diego? Uh, it was either Colts or Denver, yeah. At some point, they said San Diego. <laughs> That's where they were hope- okay. wishing they were at the time. I thought the Colts, How do you make that mistake? I thought the Colts got a very weak whistle early in that game. And Bernard Ryman's agent would probably love for me to say that several times today, but I did think they got a bit of a quick whistle. Now, you got away with it with Gilmore, I guess, on the final play. But, and I know we said this earlier, Russell Wilson, I, I did he have a head injury late? Uh, Take Tony, he's back. Tony, you're back. Hey, sorry about that. I don't know what happened. How are you guys today? Oh, all good, man. Happy Friday. Hey, I just wanted to say, I've been a Colts fan since they were in Baltimore. Yes, I'm that old. And uh, we've had some pretty embarrassing teams. But I have never been more ashamed in my life than I have this season to call myself a Colts fan. For what reason? I mean, I know they're disappointing, but for what reason versus other years? Do you have that much airtime? Well, (laughs) I mean, I, I think our coach is terrible anymore. He's washed up. Our quarterback's not doing anything. And, I mean, I I hear all these radio people saying we need to draft a quarterback. Now, I I don't know what's wrong with Sam Ellinger. I don't know why we're not trying to use him other than how much we paid for Matt. But, I mean, look at Tom Brady. He was a sixth-round draft pick. Why don't we give Sam a a chance? Tony, let's be honest and rattle off all the other sixth-round draft picks that have been quarterback. I mean, he was drafted in the 200-something for for a reason if to me nice backup that's that's the ceiling for sam ellinger i i don't know i get what tony's saying though i get what tony's saying in this regard kevin and that is and the problem tony is this the problem is the colts have kind of almost at no credit to themselves put themselves in the lead in their division so you can't necessarily throw in the towel because they're right there in the lead and i mean as of right now they are a playoff team but I do get what Tony's saying, Kevin, which is this, and that is you know for certain Matt Ryan is not your quarterback in two years. Sure. Well, so I- why not? What what risk do you run? What are you throwing away by, yes, you, it's, like, it's like if you're playing roulette in Las Vegas on the roulette wheel. And... Yeah, you know fairly certainly that you're not going to, if somebody gives you one extra spin, hit the jackpot on it. But if you are given the free spin, wouldn't you go ahead and spin it one time, even though you know your odds are 39 to 1, you're not going to hit anything? Yeah, I guess what I'm saying to Tony's and to Tony's question is Sam Ellinger's not the answer. 
but we don't know that definitively. But it, I, I can say that with a good amount of confidence. I, I understand that, um, but what, what I'm saying to you is this. What I'm saying is I understand that there is the 99% chance that you are correct, but if that 1% chance hits, you never know it unless you spin it one time. So then the argument would be why would you even start Matt Ryan. Well, that's what I mean. I and understand because, and this is the situation that they're in. That to me is a bit of a predicament. Odd as that sounds, after a win, and that is, you are still in contention. The problem is the Colts are stuck, potentially in that like drafting nineteenth every year vat, which is a really hard vacuum to get out of. And they're not helping themselves get out of it by things like last night, which are really ugly wins. I know it's a win. I'm not trying to be a pessimist. But the reality is all that did was increase the amount of air pressure in the vacuum. Yeah, again, my answer to Tony is simply just Ellinger is not going to be the guy. Of the three on the roster, if you're going to be bad, be bad with the young guy, be bad with the with the rookie. I'm a huge believer in that. And I, I remember getting a lot of pushback in years past and saying – you know, if uh, if Jacoby would have gotten hurt, don't go to Brian Hoyer, play the young guy. If uh, I'm trying to think who the other like veteran backups were of if the Band-Aid guy is not going to get you to the top, why do you play him? Play the youth. Live with the growing pains. I am a massive believer in that, but that's not happening anytime soon. All right, Jeff Saturday's going to join us in the 9 o'clock hour. Let's hit a morning check down. <laughs> The Morning Checkdown. Brought to you by Ball State Football. Get your tickets at BallStateSports.com. On 93.5 and 107.5 The Fan. Individually last night, Chase McLaughlin, they should have carried him off the field, frankly, for his effort. 48-51-52. And I thought all three kicks were like down the middle. And and some of those kicks were kind of high snaps by Luke Rhodes. Matt Hawk did a great job getting the ball down offensively not a lot to talk about but Alec Pierce was one of them eight of nine that definitely deserves to be talked about he caught eight of nine targets there were some balls not even thrown in the vicinity of Pierce that he located and brought in huge from the rookie last night here was Matt Ryan talking about him after you know it confirms what I thought you know I I thought he was going to be a tough resilient player I thought he was going to be a gutty player I knew he had great hands uh, watching him and, and you just hope he's he's a gamer, and uh, he is. You know, there's no doubt about it. He's he's so level. You know, when he's out there, he never you know too high, too low. Just keeps competing. Um, I'm proud of him. Again, Alec Pierce. Clearly, he's going to be a very good player for them. I mean, that's the one. That is one bright spot for them from last night. Aside from the fact they weren't. Alex Pierce. It's Alec, by the way, Jim. Those desserts must have worked for Gilmore and Pierce. That is true. Matt Ryan had a little slip in pregame, too. He had an interview with Tony Gonzalez and called Jelani Woods Jelani Pierce. So hmm. that that happened. Nice. That was a thing. It'd be an interesting molding of the It's two. the age thing, Mark. We ask that you be sensitive, right? Uh, college football this weekend. Indiana's got Michigan uh, in Bloomington. That is a noon kickoff down there. Last I saw, it was 22 and a half. On the spread front there. Purdue is traveling. Is it to Maryland? Yes, to Maryland. Maryland favored by three in that one. 
Uh, Ball State at Central Michigan, that's a 3.30 start. And then Notre Dame and BYU, that's out in Vegas, correct? Yes, that is in Vegas, part of that Shamrock series. Uh, Butler hosting Dayton in college football this weekend. Major League Baseball playoffs getting underway later today. That, by the way, lineup, which I don't have in front of me. Oh, no, I do have it in front of me. See? Um, Games for today. Tampa and Cleveland getting things underway just after noon today in the American League. Then in the National League, two hours after that, it's Philadelphia and the eventual World Series champion St. Louis Cardinals, followed by Seattle and Toronto and San Diego and New York, the nightcap tonight. Is that who you're you're rolling with through the playoffs is the Cardinals? I do not like the Cardinals at all, but this – is absolutely 150% one of the years where um, the Cardinal fans are best fans of baseball. See, here we go. The, it Let's go it absolutely is setting itself up. Let's go Mariners. Is I'll that who with, we're picking? I'll ride with the Blue Jays. I like the Mets. I think the Mets are cool, right? There are certain teams that just to me are just kind of like, Ugh. like the Phillies. I, okay. Mm-hmm. They're just there, right? The Phillies are just there. The Guardians are cool. The Blue Jays, I was a huge Blue Jays fan as a kid. So I'll go with... T- That'll be my team. Who did you say, Mark? Blue Jays. You're going with the Blue Jays Mariners. too? Okay. I'll go with the Mets. I'll take the Mets as my team. I'll wear yeah. a Mets hat. Continue to take your calls here. Uh, by the way, I did want to sneak this in. Uh, Jake, I saw our, our guy, our Mount Rushmore of guests, has got a full-time ride in IndyCar next year. That is correct. Santino Ferrucci will be driving the number 14 car for Let's AJ go. Floyd. I love that. <laughs> you are a Ferrucci fan, man. Massive we Santino need, Ferrucci We'll get him on again sometime. We certainly need to do that. We'll continue to take your calls. Jeff Saturday joins us in the 9 o'clock hour, recapping a victory Friday here on Kevin Corey. I think the most entertaining part of last night, quite frankly, uh, may have been the the Jeffrey Dahmer memes, and I hate to make light of, you know, obviously. I hate to make light, but I'm immediately laughing at this. <laughs> right. But there were some good ones. I mean, for certain, I'd just mocking. I think everybody knew that that was not a good performance. Uh, a win is a win. I get that, but I'm going to repeat and keep repeating what I said this morning off the top, and that was that I almost feel like that was the worst-case scenario, and I know that sounds crazy about a win, and I don't want to be that guy. But you listen but to Jim saying Frank Reich after, and it sounds like that. Correct. This is a franchise that needs a change in trajectory. And all that did yesterday was the Colts are going 56 miles an hour on cruise control in the left lane in a 97 Buick. Sit down. Watch the movie. <laughs> Don't go. Just hang out. Drink up. <laughs> Drink up. Come on. But – and this refuses this allows them to refuse to change lanes like people are like dude make a decision here are you going to stay in the left lane and slow everybody up or are you going to move over and and get a new car and they're just cruising along this one from ray all that matters is that we won i was totally captivated in the second half we played that poorly and found a way i trust ryan more than i did wince or rivers would Jake have preferred a well-played 48-45 loss? What will we be talking about if we go 4-2-1 and one with a couple of 6-3 to three wins over Jacksonville and Tennessee? How did I get roped into this? <laughs> the hell did I say? I mean, 48-45 would have been more... 
All I said watch. is this. You all think all Ray I... is the only human being in the world that was captivated Ray, by that second half? Ray, all I'm saying to you, I get what Ray's saying, no, actually. Origami, it, whoever no, Hold on. If I'm going to be, if I'm going to look for the, the Ray of Sunshine here, right, and I can appreciate what Ray's saying, there is some truth to the fact that when the game was on the line, when it came down to it, they waited their way. They were, last night, the Colts absolutely, absolutely were Andy Dufresne. They waited their way through 500 miles of, you know, foul-smelling stink in order to get on the other side. I get that, right? And in the end, when it came down to it, on both sides of the ball, they made the plays necessary to get a win. And kudos to them for that. All I'm saying, Ray, are two things. Number one, the Colts have put themselves in position that every owner as a team fears the most and that is they're boring they're boring and number two by winning that game it allows them to stay in that vacuum of that NFL not terrible not great kind of mediocre and a really bad division and that's a tough hole to get out of that's a tough vacuum to escape because you are perennially 10 and 7, 11 and 6. In the old days, it would have been 9 and 7, 10 and 6. And that's a tough place to get out of because of the, the draft and everything else. I call it the circle of suck because you're just running in place. You're not making improvements. You're not contenders for anything, but you're also not getting high draft picks. So you're not improving the team either. Right. I, and I would add to that, I feel like there is an element of just the, the decision makers over at West 56th Street look at this with rose-colored glasses. And refuse to acknowledge the rather obvious things that need to improve if you are going to be a legit January team and do it on an annual basis. How about this? Like, I guess I would ask Ray kind of what is the goal for where you want to be at the end of the year? Is the goal to be an eight or nine win AFC South team? And then at the end of the year, you're debating Matt Ryan again? You're debating the futures of your GM and head coach? I just think the AFC South and how much that division absolutely stinks masks so many glaring issues for the Colts. The Colts are averaging 13.8 points per game. They averaged 15 per game in the Curtis Painter year. And I will repeat what I said earlier. It is now a seven-game stretch of scoring 20 points or fewer. That is the longest such stretch for the franchise since 19. 1993. This is a 30-year span of bad offensive football at its peak right now. You have been a good to great offensive product for the last three decades, and now here you are at the bottom of the NFL on the one side of the ball that matters more than any other. Jake, my 14-year-old son was excited to watch the game with me. He nodded off in the second half and chose to go to bed before the game was over. The Colts are losing their future fan base, and they don't even see it. Uh, 239-1070 is the telephone number. Colin gets the humanitarian award of the day because he actually sat through that live and in person. Colin, are you still in Denver? Holy hell. I am. I am in Fort Collins driving to work right now. So so you're obviously a Colts fan, right? Colts should have you banging the anvil next Sunday for having to witness that. Oh, I wish I could. I said my six-year-old come because I brought her for her first game. We were three rows behind the Broncos bench. And, yes, it was a terrible game. But, man, she had such a good time. 
Uh, one thing I want to tell you is I am definitely in that piece of pie. I've been a Colts fan forever, and I swear I had more hope even when Andrew Luck left than I do right now for this team. I, I, I'm so glad that they won in Denver because the safety meeting yesterday, I got eight up, and this morning I'm excited to get to work so I can talk crap all week. Now, did you grow up, Colin, or are you from the Indianapolis area? How did you become a Colts fan? Oh, I became a Colts fan because my dad is from Fort Wayne, and actually – uh, he uh, passed away when I was 15 of malignant melanoma, and his Peyton Manning was like his favorite player. And like he passed away 2006, November 3rd, and then like three, four months later, you guys know that we won, we won the Super Bowl. So I was like super impressionable, and like every Sunday now, like my wife and kids know, like it's Colts Day. I love that. Yeah, that's cool. And, and Colin, you know, with the franchise having a personal connection for you. Um, not to make light of that, but I guess to emphasize the point, but yet even still, you also can uh, can understand what I mean when I say that they've fallen into kind of this mediocrity and, and boring nature, so to speak. Absolutely, and I've never, ever been one to, like, want to tank or anything like that, but I really, I'm seeing all these young QBs go, like all my buddies, Lamar Jackson, they love Lamar Jackson, and all these, like, you guys know exactly what I mean. And we're stuck with Philip Rivers. Philip Rivers was great. Matt Ryan, he looks bad. I'm sorry. I don't care what anyone says. He looks bad. Same with the offensive line, but whatever. He does not look good, like literally. Well, Colin. I, I want him to tank. Sometimes I want him to tank. Like win, like you say, winning that game last night, we're like first in the division now. And, yeah, we're, you're right. You're right. Exactly what you're saying, bro. How many people actually left that game when overtime started? Yeah, I was started? curious about that. Oh, yeah. Uh, actually, not that many. Uh, the people that I was with are season ticket holders, and their son was with them, and he had a test the next morning. So, like, when overtime hit, I was like, it's okay if you guys bail. And he bailed. And I didn't. I honestly did not see that many people leave. I think that was a little overhyped. But I also want to mention about the Colts fans leaving, if I haven't already. They were so sweet to Miliana, my daughter. I had her on my shoulders walking through, and the high five she was getting and the grin she had on her face is, like I said, core memory forever. I love it. Love it. Colin, thank you for the call. Talk smack today. I will all day, baby. <laughs> That's Colin who was at the game last night. That is that is cool to hear. No, it that, is. That, that stuff is what you love about sports, and what a great father-daughter moment there for Colin. Um, all right, uh, day after Colts games, we like to hand out a few awards or go over a few things from the game. We'll do our fan tweet of the game coming up in the 9 o'clock hour along with Jeff Saturday. Safe to say the fan tweets of the game had me laughing very hard as I was scrolling through them last night. Let's do our rookie of the game from yesterday. Who the hell are you? I'm the new guy. Newcomer of the week. It's probably going to be this guy a lot. I don't think there's any doubt about it, right? I mean, late in the game, as the Colts needed to move the football, and they did get good play out of the running back position, um, but Alec Pierce was big, and Matt Ryan... You can tell Matt Ryan, every quarterback has that safety net. And for the Colts, for a long time, it's been at the tight end position where you know a play's breaking down, you know that the pocket's collapsing. You find that guy that's just a safety net for you. Alec Pierce becoming that for Matt Ryan. Jake, I think Pierce, and this comes from his family background. He comes from a family of very high-level athletes. His brothers, Division One basketball players, both of his parents, Division One athletes. I just think there is a demeanor and an innate, ability that Pierce brings of the moment isn't too big. He's just a natural athlete. And 
I thought we saw it last year, frankly, at Cincinnati with what he did late games against Indiana, against Notre Dame. And I think if you are looking towards the future and offensive pieces at really important spots, I think Pierce has shown you a lot. Bounce back from that opening week drop in the end zone, a concussion as well later in that game. I mean, that can derail a lot of guys early in their rookie seasons, and Alec Pierce has not been one of them. Uh, to counter that, how about Rodney Thomas II? I'll go there for my rookie of the game. That's fair. That's fair, yeah. He did a nice job, right? Think about you know, seventh rounder from Yale gets thrown in there against Patrick Mahomes in the middle of that game. Deep ball throwers Mahomes, deep ball thrower Russell Wilson, and if it wasn't for the ref getting in his way, I, I don't think you would have allowed really anything over the top. Obviously, he fielded that interception, which is more like fielding a punt, uh, which he deserved. And had a nice return, although the turf monster got him on that return. But considering where he was drafted, considering the quarterbacks you face when you've needed him, for a guy that didn't play week one or week two for you, Rodney Thomas II, big time stepping up. Prime time, you know, at, at Yale, he wasn't really a true safety. He bounced around, played some other positions, and a great find by Chris Bauer there in the seventh round. By the way, no question about the fact that the offensive line has been a culprit in Matt Ryan not having the time, the running backs not being able to, to find holes, the wide receivers not having time to, to get separation. That all starts with the offensive line, no doubt about it. But the problem is, if you went out and you get the 1983 Redskins offensive line you know, to play for the Colts right now, then what do you have? Even if Matt Ryan excels, he's clearly at the end of his career. So you're right back to square one at the very most two years from now. Yeah, And, and that's, that's the problem. That, again, that is part of the argument of getting away from the Band-Aid. It's you're starting the cycle over every year. Too. Correct. Uh, one thing to note, I think, on the Ryan interceptions, the first one he threw was that one kind of in field goal range. I thought the more egregious one, Jake, was the second one. That was a third and 15 when you were backed up a decent amount there. And that's where I'm like, 15 years in the NFL, time, score, position on the field. It's third and 15. The odds of you picking that up are slim to none. He threw a ball that was like, Eight to ten yards down the field. It was not, kind of like who was it to also, right? And it's not like you would have picked up the first down. Or it's not like you. it's third and 15 and you take a 40-yard shot down the field and it's just a glorified punt. Those are the the decisions that I'm like, when Rivers threw interceptions in 2020, which he didn't really throw that many, I thought more of them were just he's trying to, you know, cash a check that he can't – or trying to write a check that he can't cash. I, I think with – Ryan, it's more of on the decision-making front to go along with an arm that is definitely not where you would like it to be. But it's more on the decision-making, which, you know, I guess glass half full, you would say at some point Matt Ryan's going to snap out of that. But I've seen this happen too often here in the first five weeks. I'm thinking, is this scar tissue? Is this your gun shy with how your offensive line is playing in front of you? That is what is really, really worrisome to me about the quarterback play right now. It just feels like I said, last night they were boring. I know a win's a win, but I think that I hope I should say that it doesn't give some sort of a false confidence to the brass that everything's A-OK. That's that's simply my concern with that. Uh, your phone calls and Jeff Saturday joins us in the 9 o'clock hour. 
Jake, I want to make sure that we properly give credit to Chase McLaughlin and several of those Colts defensive players. I know we talked a lot about Alec Pierce in the last segment. Kicking cost you the game in week one. McLaughlin last night, 48-51-52. and 52. Not only did I think a lot of them were like down the middle as well, um, I thought Matt Hawk did a nice job of getting a couple high snaps down. I did notice that on one of them, huge. right? Yeah. yeah, that's, again, an all-pro snapper in you Luke know, Rhodes. Uh, and you obviously blocked a field goal, Grover Stewart, with what Brandon McManus did. So um, I wanted to make sure that we mention Chase McLaughlin, who, you know, going back to that 2019 season, when he replaced Adam Vinatieri, I felt like, I'm like, man, this dude just has a nice demeanor about him. I like how he carries himself. Is he the most talented kicker in the world? No. But I, I I don't think he gets out there and he's just pissing down his leg. I also think he looks like he's kind of a uh, kind of an old school kicker. <laughs> Mark just woke up. <laughs> well, that I mean, if he's doing that on the field, that could be exciting. Well, I would argue that the old kicker was doing that. Now, Jim Irsay tomorrow, if he, or yesterday, if he's under you know kicking the ball, do you think if Hot Rod is kicking it? Yeah. Oh hell no. It is. Denver listen, wins by two scores. Probably. You get a little extra yardage out of the altitude for sure. But uh, Jim Ursay, do we have the audio mark of, of Ursay last night? This is from uh, kudos to Anthony Calhoun and Wish TV who was out there and talked to Ursay. But Ursay seems to think that Chase McLaughlin, is it McLaughlin or McLaughlin? I never can remember. I believe McLaughlin. Um, but Ursay called him uh, a Navy SEAL. It was a great win. Uh, obviously, you know, we were all concerned about, you know, the flow of the game, you know, the things we weren't able to do, the penalties, the turnovers, the difficulty. But look at, you know, this is this is a fight. And these guys, I told Chase, he's got that Navy SEAL beard. And he was a Navy SEAL today with those kicks. And, hey, there is no such thing as an ugly win. There is nothing... Like, there's no such thing as a beautiful loss. So, to me, I know it was tough, but this win looks like a beauty to me. You agree with that, Kevin? Navy SEAL beard. Yeah, I'm not sure what the – did Navy SEALs have beards? I would think not, but um, my father is a huge Navy SEAL follower, so I don't know. Maybe he'll chime in about that. Um, uh, No, I, I, I do not agree. I, I don't. And, again, I, I think um, the top-down accountability after a game like that is what's worrisome to me. I think that someone tweeted at me earlier, it's perfume on a bi- on a pile of dog poop. <laughs> and, and that's, that's kind of how I feel of brush it under the rug. Everything's good. Look at that. We're tied for the division lead. But, again, the last three years when you finish 10th and 8th and 7th in the AFC – that seems to be the new standard of acceptance for this franchise. And last night, in my opinion, I got the feel of acceptance from the owner. I got the feel of that from Frank Reich. Our, we all watch the same game. Don't. It's almost demeaning to us if you're going to act like that was an acceptable performance. I got this text, which I think is pretty on par. Jake, this is like being in a bad relationship that you just can't seem to break off. Every time you get up the nerve to tell the other one it's over, something happens. You get sentimental and scared to hurt anybody's feelings, and so you're just stuck in it all over again. I fortunately I have not had that sentiment in quite some time, but I know what he you know, what's being said there. 
and it does feel like, you know, winning that game just kind of draws people back in for another week of like, okay, well, I guess I'll wait another week to find out whether or not I'm interested in this team. But they're boring. It's a long year. They can still get it turned around, but they're boring. I know I've made a lot of this, Jake, but for Jim Ursay to find the camera after the Kansas City win, find the camera after last night, but yet in a week leading into the Tennessee game where he tweeted a storm and wanted to tweet a lot more, but was held back from that, and yet after that game in his own building in front of season ticket members to be down three scores against a divisional team, you don't feel the need to publicly say anything. It's not like he even had any tweet like, hey, sorry about the performance. Uh, we can't have that. Well, he did have one thinking the fans, right? Yeah, but not like evaluating your own team's right, performance. Right, right, right. That's what I'm getting at. Um, that to me is like, you sound like my mom recapping my rounds of golf in high school, acting like every <laughs> one was me shooting par. It's like, no, I played terrible last night. We can acknowledge that, and we can improve on that. Ursay usually, I think, falls on one of the more candid sides of, he's acknowledged that in the past. He's had expressions of frustration on Twitter about games, and yet I don't see it. And I think it's indicative of how long of a leash he continues to give Chris Boward and Frank Reich. It goes back to the contract extension in August. I think the GM feels that. I think the head coach feels it. And last night, I thought to myself, the only players accurately describing how Colts fans should feel after this performance. The only only be, people that are doing it are the players. Quentin Nelson, disgusting. Michael Pittman, it's a win, but I know when I watch film, it's going to look ugly. The guys in that locker room are the only ones that had an ounce of accountability after that one. 239-1070 is the telephone number. Jeff Saturday, 33 minutes from now. Sometimes a game can be, at least at this point, so bad, it's almost good. You know what I'm saying? No. Under six minutes to go until halftime. Kylan grants it in motion to the left side. Ball between the hash marks. Matt Ryan on play action. He's dancing in the pocket. Good protection. Fires over the middle. Picked off at the 15-yard line. Right now, they're trying to get back inside the red zone for a manageable field goal here for Chase McLaughlin. Scanning. Again, in trouble. And it goes down the fourth time. <sighs> Wake up. Hey, hello, hello. And the Boo Birds out here at in power field as McManus on for the third time to try a field goal. That was just a matter of time. This is going to be a 34-yard field goal, and it's blocked by the Colts. It ricochets into the end zone, and the Colts get a big block. Out of the gun goes Ryan. Shotgun snap, backs the pass. He's going to chuck it over the middle and might be intercepted. Time to wake up. Okay, hello. Can you hear me? Wake up. Wake up. I don't like this. Wilson fakes it to Gordon. In the pocket. Throws up field. Picked off by the Colts. Into the end zone. It's Stephon Gilmore. This one for Mr. Gilmore. Chase McLaughlin, four for four tonight. And the Colts have the lead in overtime. It's 12 to nine. There is no such thing as an ugly win. We're not happy about two, two, and one, but I mean, we're right there. We're right in the mix. What the hell just happened? So wake me up when it's all over. When I'm Here's the thing. As I was driving in this morning, kind of in a fog, like probably most people were after that 
crap wagon last night and then getting up and going to work. And you're thinking, okay, well, the Colts did win. I felt like that scene from The Hangover, waking up. <laughs> I, I got in the studio and you came in and you're like, Jake, there's a tiger in the bathroom. I, at one point I said to Mark, I go, look, man, can you can you put some pants on? I think it's kind of weird. I got to ask you twice. But Aaron out. The studio's hot. <laughs> I was thinking about it, though, and, and I'm like, what we saw last night, I guess if there's a silver lining for the Colts, is that, in fact, the situation of an uncertain future at the quarterback position based on having a veteran that you signed to a heavy contract, the Colts are not in the worst position in the league. Because can you imagine being a Bronco fan? And you watched Russell Wilson last night and then realized that they not only traded for him and gave up assets, but then gave him a huge contract? Yeah, that's – I mean, Wilson literally cost them the game on whether it was the third and four pick to Gilmore or the fourth and one. I mean, K.J. Hamler is wide open. Uh, He threw it, what, to the left side, I guess. Cortland Sutton ended up coming, you know, probably more closer to the middle of the field. But K.J. Hamler at the top of the play, if you're watching the TV copy – is wide open. Beautiful little pick rub and walk-in touchdown for the game winner, and Wilson never looks at him. And he just looked. And I've – listen, is Pete Carroll a genius? It, did Pete Carroll know something that the rest of the league didn't figure out yet and that Russell Wilson was washed? Or that Russell Wilson like maybe – Pete wanted him back. What's that? I feel like Pete wanted him back, and it was kind of like, uh, it's probably a time mutual parting away. I, I thought it was, I thought it was just that they like the the Seahawks had said that they were moving on. Maybe I'm wrong, but I clearly, I mean, my point being, somebody in Seattle decided that he was worth moving away from. His agent, his agent had given hints that he was like, oh, you, not they're going to trade Russ, but if he did, here's five teams he'd be interested in. So that kind of started the whole thing that he was kind of ready to move on, and I think they were ready to move on as well. Dan says this, as a Bears fan, this Colts team looks very familiar. Losing games they shouldn't, winning games they have no business winning, but looking mediocre at best and not making any adjustments on the way to a pointless six to eight wins. Mm-hmm. Just enough to get a terrible draft pick and miss the playoffs. Mark will surely get me. I have 30 uh, years experience of watching bad football. Yeah. Listen, Russell Wilson's banged up in terms of his shoulder, but that doesn't explain the horrible decision making and the rough start that he's gotten off to. Last night was indicative of not only the way he's played this year, but the way he ended it in Seattle. I mean, he has clearly re- dropped off. Not to say that it's permanent, but it sure looks like it. So our fan tweet of the game. Again, Mark sends us out after the final whistle, after each Colts game, and we go back, scroll through the tweets. Some will make you laugh. Some will make you cry. Some might make you scream. Uh, but let's go through our favorite ones from last night. We didn't have a sounder for this yet. We just have background music, so that one's TBD. Um, do you guys just want to go over maybe the ones that stood out to you? That, <laughs> I'm laughing looking back at some of these. Yeah, I'll go over a couple that I saw on the uh, show show page. Jeremy Bullard said, and this is, again, in five words or less, most boring team in sports. Derek White said, Colts gifted yet another win. Uh, Tyler, I really wanted a tie. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's because his name's Tyler, right? The game so deserved a tie. Jenna Quigley just says prolonged fart noise. 
<laughs> she has great initials, by the way. Yeah. Eastside Pacers fans, football set back 100 years. Lisa, <laughs> surprised I didn't die. I think that's my hangover reference there. Aaron, that was not football porn. That was the exact, I don't know what the opposite of football porn is, but yeah. Referencing a comment yeah. that Mark made earlier yeah, in the Kyle week. Kyle Shanahan, yeah. Uh, this might be a little was longer. was football Dr. Shivago, is that what you're saying? <laughs> it this might be a little yeah. longer than five words, but Colts fan and Cincy, Gilly locks in another week for the awful Ballard-Reich regime. Matt Foley says, and Matt Foley being the SNL character, uh, says Colts win because Broncos couldn't. I saw that. That was good. Jerry, four hours lost, Colts win. It just was, I, I mean, the most, this is a bad place to be in when the most, the most entertaining thing about your game is everyone's comments about its lack of entertainment. That was by far the most entertaining thing about it, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I've seen paint that dried that was more exciting. <laughs> you watch uh, a lot of paint drying, do you? Mark? I just bought a house. So you damn right. <laughs> you I wanted have. to huff it last night, didn't you? <laughs> hey, I thought about it. Let's get back to the callers. Eric wants to talk Colts O line with us. Good morning, Eric. Hey, good morning, guys. How are you? Good, man. How are you? Good, good. Thanks for having me on. So I, I just want to say I, I don't disagree with what any of you all are saying, you know, about the, you know, ownership, you know, worried about them thinking everything's okay. I, I sure hope that they have listened to the media. The announcers last night were making fun of both teams, and it was embarrassing. And I'll go on the record as saying that I personally thought that Russell Wilson is one of those quarterbacks that could have benefited from a change of scenery, and boy, was I wrong. And I'm sure glad we didn't give up a lot of money to get him. (laughs) Yeah, you're right about that because he was one of them that, you know, people were were speculating that could end up Eric in Indianapolis. I want to talk about the O-line real quick, Kevin, because you made this point earlier. So the offensive line yesterday, you had on the left side, Bernard Ryman. How would you grade him? F. Okay. (laughs) Okay. He got whistled for four penalties. Quentin Nelson, you would grade him what? Uh, B minus. Okay. I'm talking about the starting combination here. Ryan Kelly? Yeah, D plus. Braden Smith? Uh, I didn't notice too much there. I'll give him a B plus. Pryor? Uh, D minus. F plus. Do they do those? Then later... Danny Pinter comes in at center for Ryan Kelly, right? Yeah, I thought Pinter was was okay. Now, you you pointed this out. Offensive line, I've said a million times. Oftentimes, I think it's almost more important. If you had an offensive line of five guys that are all a seven or an offensive line that has two tens and then three sixes, I'd almost take the first if they had – if they're used to playing with one another. I think continuity and familiarity on a line is critically important. To change offensive line personnel and put guys in different positions is peculiar enough. But, Kevin, when they decided to do that, refresh for me, how many practices did this group go through together this week to get ready for the game? No practices this week. And then if you date back to training camp, they never were together for a full practice. They never were together for like a half practice. I can pick out 
of the 16 practices they had, let's say they had, you know, let's say they had four periods of 11-on-11 work in each of those practices, I bet they were together for like three of the 64. So a minuscule number. So there were no, so from the time that they lost to Tennessee to last night, how many practices did the Colts have? Zero. Um, Wade Phillips sent the tweet yesterday. I think both teams should consider punting on first down. <laughs> I thought they should have kicked the field goal on third down one time. Like I, I, part of me is like I respect the offensive line changes. You know, it's an acknowledgement of clearly things are not working, but that was like outrageous what they did. Three changes in a week with no practice. Boy, it just was such a recipe for disaster, and that's exactly what occurred with that unit. Moving forward, Jake, I... Boy, I'm probably putting Dennis Kelly at left tackle, which I know he doesn't have a lot of experience there, but he at least has played, I think he started over 50 games in the NFL, mostly at right tackle. I probably put him at left. And this is me not thinking long-term. This is me thinking short-term. Leave Nelson, obviously, at left guard. I'd probably start Danny Pinter at center over Ryan Kelly. Did Frank Reich... And then I put Matt Pryor at right guard and Braid Smith at right tackle. Did Frank Reich answer why they were such wild changes on offensive line? I didn't hear him say anything. I don't know if he got asked directly about that, which is kind of yeah. odd. Could it be... Let me ask you this, Kevin. You're around this team, practices, you've been in the building... Would those changes have been made by the O-line coach or by Frank Reich? Well, I think Frank would have final sign-off on any changes. I mean, maybe Chris Strasser, the offensive line coach, is saying, my job's on the line. I need to do well, something that, See, drastic. that's it. Or is it possible that a fall guy's being set up? Yeah, you know, that that's that's a fair statement. I get Where I have questions about the O-line, Jake, and I'll go back to what I said about training camp. You know, you went through the first... 11, 12, maybe even 13 practices of training camp without making a single change to your offensive line. It's not like Bernard Ryman came in on day five and got a look at left tackle, the starting unit, or Will Fries came in on you know day six and Danny Pinter was moved to the second team. That was never seen in training camp. And that's where I hear this like competition, competition, competition. That was not there. For Pryor or Penter, um, they finally, like the second or third last day of camp when Ryan Kelly was out due to COVID is when they started to change some things up up front. Um, they're going to have a tough decision to make. I, I, if money was not on the table, I don't think the Danny Penter-Ryan Kelly debate would be much of one. Speaking of Ryan Kelly, Joe has been waiting patiently to talk and ask about exactly that. Joe, good morning to you. How are you? Hey, doing well. Thanks for taking the call, fellas. Yep. Yeah, so, uh, yeah, the grade, my grades for the linemen would be uh, Fs across the board, uh, except for Pinter. Uh, boy, did you guys see Nelson? I mean, I thought he was supposed to be a bully. That dude just got blew up, man. I mean, decleated by number 47. What is, you know, and then, like, Ryan Kelly goes out of the game, and that dude should have been gone long ago. Let's be honest, guys. Like, when he told us Colts fans that we should be ashamed of ourselves 
for booing Andrew Luck for retiring the way that he did. That dude should have been gone right then and there. But last night you saw the proof in the pudding that the guy goes out of the game, Danny Pinter comes in and does one hell of a job uh, compared to Ryan Kelly. So um, I think that's where our problem is right there is that center Ryan Kelly. That dude's been a cancer for a long time. Thoughts, Kevin? I think Ryan Kelly's play has been slowly regressing over the past few years. I'm trying to think back when he signed the contract extension. Um, I want to say it was like the fall of 2020, maybe right before the start of that season, right around there. I I feel like it's slowly deteriorated. I think he's also, Jake, a guy that's just been nicked up a lot. And I think over time that just gets to you. Well, is it? I mean, what's this, year seven, year eight? He's got to be 30 right around there. You know, you wonder, too, to be fair to him, and I'm, I'm grasping at straws here, but is it difficult? And may, this is a good question for Jeff Saturday, perhaps. Is it difficult at the center position to have a different quarterback every year? Does that affect the center more than any, than any other lineman? Yeah, I would say yes, but also, Jake, I, how many just kind of one-on-one breakdowns do you see with him? Just simply getting beat one-on-one. Last night, if you look at the money invested in your O-line, it was the highest-paid guard in Nelson, the second-highest-paid guard in Braden Smith, and the third-highest-paid center in Ryan Kelly. And the thing that I said earlier, Kevin, at the running back position, Jonathan Taylor's a wonderful player. I don't know why people thought this was like a critique of Jonathan Taylor. He's a wonderful player. He, he is a He's probably the best back in the league. But is it worth, when his contract comes up, paying him the money that he would seemingly – command or deserve if in fact we have tangible evidence from last night for example that you can go running back by committee with guys that are 20 percent the cost Jonathan Taylor would cost you and get 80 percent the production at a position that is probably devalued in the NFL in 2022 yeah my only argument to that Jake would be this if you're gonna draft a dude in the second round like that Part of me believes that you just have to commit to him to a second contract. Understood. You know, or almost, it's like a waste. I'm not saying you, you don't commit to him, but I mean, at, at what cost? Right. I, I totally acknowledge where you're coming from, and, and I probably agree with you, honestly. I don't think you should hand a running back the type of money that Taylor is going to command. But then I'm thinking to myself, why make the pick in the first place if after four years you're just going to bail? Don't guys drafted in round one, round two need to be cornerstone seven, yeah. eight-year players for your franchise? Well, that and then that begs the question of did they did they need to go out and take him? That with gets the, back to the roster building. Right. And I think there are some whispers that some people inside that building wanted Jalen Hurts in that area. And I think Nick Sirianni wanting that Philly job would be an indicator of that. Uh, you said uh, Danny, Mark? Yep. Danny, good Friday morning to you. Yo, can you guys hear me? Dan, yep. we got you. Okay, so yeah, this is uh, it's Daniel. I'm always in the chat messing with everybody in the chat all the time. What's um, up, Daniel? Thank you for sorry. that. <laughs> so, I want to talk about Matt, Matt Ryan. Well, first, I wanted to say, man, uh, God bless Naeem Hines, man. Like, that, that's the type of stuff that makes you want to quit football. Totally. You see that. Mm-hmm. Uh, but that kind of summed up with the game. Look like last night when he got hit. That's how the rest of the game went. It was like, wow, this is a bad game. Uh, so I just hope he recovers. Um, but with Matt Ryan, uh, I tried to say as soon as we got him, 
that I watched him in Atlanta. I watched Atlanta for the last three years, um, and I watched him play, and I watched him deteriorate really fast. Um, and I know he had some issues last year in Atlanta with line, with his offensive line and receivers. Um, but, no, I mean, he's been on the decline for the last three years in Atlanta. I'm talking about turnover prone, um, not as accurate as he used to be. Uh, so I knew the day the Colts got him, I knew we were in trouble instantly. And I said it, like he's slow, he's, he's behind. He even had a look last night on his face where he was just kind of blank. Like when he was on the sideline, he was just looking at the game like he wasn't there half the time. And I think that Jim Ursay doesn't want to criticize Matt Ryan because he has respect for Matt Ryan. Like he, he didn't have respect for Wentz at all. So he had no issue saying anything about the play from week to week, but I think he's so reluctant because he has respect for Matt Ryan like he has for Peyton Manning that he won't say anything negative about the team, even though he knows Matt Ryan looks like a backup quarterback would look, you know, when the season's about to be over and you're just trying to get it drafted. But I think he just has too much respect to criticize Matt Ryan. I think that's the issue. Uh, that's a fair point, real Thanks, fair Daniel. point. And there's no doubt that, that – uh, Ursay, Carson Wentz did not play well. Carson Wentz um, absolutely rubbed Jim Ursay the wrong way. Carson Wentz, seven interceptions as the Colts quarterback last season. Matt Ryan, seven picks through five weeks. It's not Kerry Collins' level, but it's bad, right? And I think to Daniel's point, what's extra bad about it for me, Jake, is these are not interceptions with two guys draped on him, he's getting sacked, and he just flings it up and it right. gets picked off. The two picks last night were picks that tonight at 7 o'clock, high school quarterbacks that make those decisions will get undressed by their head coach on the sideline. Well, I don't know if they'll undress them. That seems to be inappropriate, right? I wouldn't I wouldn't recommend that. <laughs> yeah, that probably wasn't what I should have said. Blame it on the two and a half hours of sleep. Put your uh, damn act together. Speaking of undressing, that's what Matt Pryor did at right tackle last night. This from Pro Football Focus. Matt Pryor allowed nine quarterback pressures last night. That is the most of any player in any game this season. And that's in a new position, right? Like I said earlier, I keep Matt saying Pryor that. Matt Pryor is a guard. He should be playing guard. The cliffhanger on the price is right when the guy finally falls off the cliff. It feels like Matt Pryor on the offensive line, that's where he is. Like he's right there, and the next move that they make would be him getting bounced off of the line, right? Yeah, we'll ask Jeff Saturday here in about 10 minutes what he would do with the offensive line. I'm very curious to see. Um, where he would go with that. Uh, let's get to Nick. Nick, good morning. Hey, brother, how you doing? Good, man. Thanks for calling. Hi. Hey, thanks for having me. Uh, I listen to the promo for the show, and I keep hearing that Apollo 13 metaphor. But let me tell you something. As I was telling <laughs> uh, the operator, um, I would compare this scene more to the scene from Monty Python. If you, if you guys are Monty Python fans, the scene where the Black Knight's guarding the bridge, it all starts out great. Then swing by swing, they lose an arm, lose a limb. Yesterday's game was nothing more than them getting a good kick in the rear end of King Arthur while they had both their arms cut off. And, <laughs> and I think by the time the season's over, the Colts are going to be nothing more than that, figuratively speaking, that dismembered night on the ground while the rest of the AFC staff is looking at them. Okay, we're all a draw, and they're still sitting there you know, you know, you know, counting their greatness. That is the best way that I can describe this team. 
utter uh, a medieval disaster. Was that Bernard Ryman last night? <laughs> or Quentin? in your general direction. <laughs> okay. Quentin Nelson at one point was laying on his back. And, and by the way, Mark, you're now the operator. Yeah, gosh. That's okay. I feel like Mark has a really nice presence on the show. And then they call it. Yeah. Nick, who calls a ton, calls you the operator. Yeah. Line one, hold, please. <laughs> Is that how you answer the phones? Yeah, I should. I should. Jeff Saturday. Ghostbusters, what do you want? <laughs> what if we had Dahmer answering the phones? How would that sound, Mark? Hey, man, what do you want here? <laughs> I got some pork chops if you want them. It, they're not the best. Got, it's bad meat. You want to come over and watch a movie? Exorcist 3 is my favorite. <laughs> Jeff Saturday is going to join us in a little over five minutes. Jake, if I, add you, uh, if I add you hand out a game ball to someone on offense not named Alec Pierce, you going Deion Jackson? I would. I thought him and Philip Lindsay gave you some nice minutes. Totally. Jackson, out of the backfield, not only running the ball, but he had a couple of nice receptions in, yeah, in space did. as well. I thought he gave – for a guy that just had his number called at the last minute, yeah. I thought he gave him good minutes. Good reps last night. Boy, you're on injury watch, too, with this 10-day break. Um, Quiddy Pay carted off. Joel Erickson said that he was on crutches for an ankle injury in the locker room afterwards. Ryan Kelly, hip, obviously the Naheem Hines situation. Jonathan Taylor, Shaquille Leonard. Uh, this mini-bye week leading into Jacksonville and Tennessee comes at a good time. Uh, this from Jeremy. Shelbyville football has more upside than the Colts. Oh, they got yeah, a promising man. freshman quarterback? Heck yeah. To the Bears? That's right. The Golden Bears at least know what their future is, right? Morning checkdown time here on Kevin and Corey. The Morning Checkdown. Omaha! 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 Brought to you by Ball State Football. Get your tickets at BallStateSports.com. Omaha! On 93.5 and 107.5 The Fan. Speaking of Ball State football, by the way, they will lead off for us as we talk about the college football schedule for the weekend. 3.30, Ball State tomorrow in action. Uh, my headset's ripped out here. Hang on just a second. I'm looking. Uh, Central Michigan. At Central Michigan, Ball State tomorrow. Uh, also, Notre Dame and BYU tomorrow. It is Purdue at Maryland and Indiana, of course, coming off of the game at Nebraska that was disappointing taking on Michigan. You said that's what, a 21-point line now? 22 and a half. Who you like? Well, I, Indiana should cover that, right? I, didn't we say also, that about Cincinnati I, I, a few I, I weeks back? I was going to say, yeah. Michigan's not. Indiana covers. I don't know if Indiana wins, but Indiana covers. You don't know if Indiana wins. <laughs> LEO. Uh, Major League Baseball, Tampa and Cleveland, 12 o'clock today, just afternoon, as a matter of fact. First pitch to open up the Major League Baseball playoffs. It's Philadelphia and St. Louis at 2.07. Then Seattle against Mark Dykton's Toronto Blue Jays at 4.07. The Padres of San Diego and the New York Metropolitans. That game tonight at 8 o'clock on ESPN. Go Birds. Chris points us out. The Colts uh, were in a really healthy situation in training camp. Jake, with the injuries starting to pile up, that Sam Ellinger roster spot starting to look a little bit... Uneasy probably isn't the right word. but Why is to, he on the roster if you don't want to give him a look? You're going to have to cut some guys if you want to keep Ellinger around. Looking back at last night, we talked about Alec Pierce, Chase McLaughlin, the defensive star. I, I think DeForest Buckner deserves a lot of credit for last night, but the guy who ended the game, Stephon Gilmore, a huge pass deflection on fourth down, the interception, late in regulation to give the Colts one more chance. Here was Frank Reich last night on number five. 
Yeah, that's exactly right. That's the definition of a big-time player, making making the plays in the moment, and he made the two huge plays. I mean, massive plays. He's a pro, man. The guy's a great player. Um, just lifted the defense. They were already playing great, and then those big plays obviously helped win that game. You know, part of the reason I was surprised by the Wilson decision there, Jake, was, you know, Gilmore had picked him off at the end of regulation. I almost thought they'd get in the huddle and they'd say, all right, we're not throwing towards Gilmore. They have Cortland Sutton and Jerry Judy and KJ Hamler. It's not like they are Sutton's are their, their number one guy, but they got right. some other guys. I thought they would look away from Gilmore and go to the right side and the right side of the field. KJ Hamler was wide open. You know what Russell Wilson was thinking to himself as he went ahead and threw that ball into the end zone that was ultimately picked off. He was looking over the Colts' secondary, and he was thinking, which one do I challenge here? Which one do I throw to? And then Russell Wilson in his head as he's scanning over everything and thinking about it, this is actually what went into his head at that point. This one for Mr. Gilmore. (laughs) (laughs) He's just throwing passes in the air at some point. Like, just, hey, I don't know if anybody's down there. See what happens. It's not great. Balls to the middle of nowhere. Like Rodney Thomas is like, wait, am I fielding a punt here? I feel like Matt Ryan and Russell Wilson had a had a bet on the side. Like, who can suck more last night? Let's see what happens. Yeah, and to think next week is Carson Wentz versus Justin Fields on Thursday night. There, I'm, I told you. I tweeted this out. I said, I have little reputation. I will stake what little reputation I have that there's no way that game will be worse than what we saw last night. No way. Uh, this from Pete, by the way, on Twitter. The That's 9 o'clock bar, hour man. never disappoints. What did we do in the 9 o'clock hours since we started at 9? Uh, Jeff Saturday. He joins us next here. 9 o'clock hour. Kevin and Corey. All right, you know that music. Jeff Saturday is with us after every Colts game. And honestly, I probably need to send Jeff um, some of those Band-Aids from last night, Jake. Jeff, uh, Jake and I are currently reapplying Band-Aids because our eyes are still bleeding from having to watch what we witnessed last night. <laughs> that was a painful one, fellas. There ain't there ain't no doubt. That was uh that was that was not one for the ages, or I guess maybe it was one for the ages. We could all look back on and say, uh, <laughs> we saw that. We were we we, we couldn't turn our eyes away. We survived uh, that. Yeah, exactly. We survived. That's a great way to put it. We all survived it, and uh, we're better people for it, folks. We're better. We're stronger, <laughs> mentally tougher than we've ever been in our lives because we fought through that one. <laughs> hey, Jeff, I want to begin with this, and I want you to talk me off the ledge here, okay? Because you know a lot more about this game than do I. But my concern as I was watching the game, and I know that this sounds ridiculous and it sounds spoiled, and I sound like a guy that covered you know the the, the era with you and Peyton Manning and the greatness of the Colts, but. I'm watching it and I'm thinking to myself, I know a win is a win. And I know that this puts the Colts in position within their division, even though they have yet to win a game within their division. But my concern was that this increased the vacuum of keeping them, of perhaps offering a, a, a thought process for Frank Reich or Jim Mercer or Chris Ballard that everything is okay because of the factors that I just mentioned and that they're just going to stay in this vacuum of having to recycle veteran quarterback every two years and finding themselves in, like, the mid-2010s Dolphins category. Am I being way too negative here? No, I mean, look, look, I, mean I know. I, I mean, honestly, I think what you're saying is, is pretty spot on. Like, yeah, but but I, don't, I don't think they – I don't think neither Frank nor Chris walks away from that thinking um, this is sustainable. You know what I mean? Like, this is um, – you know the defense obviously played lights out. Russell Wilson played awful. 
Um, so so th- those two things helped us win, but they're not – you know, you're always happy for the win, and it's hard to win this league. And, you know, you'll hear all those cliches, and they're all true, right? I mean, they're not – it is very difficult to win. So you're you're never going to be upset with that. But they, they definitely didn't hit that plane going, man, we, we, we are set up. We got a foundation built here. Uh, we feel good about this. That That is, that is a, a definite no. And I can be honest with you, man. Look, even when I was playing, we would have games where we're coming back and we're like, man, you know, this, this – this ain't gonna. This ain't gonna continue. You know, we're we're about to hit a significant slide. Um, they have to be extremely disappointed again offensively. You know, whether you're talking about Matt Ryan, you're talking about the offensive line, uh, the bright you know the bright spot. Uh, bright spot obviously is Pierce. I mean, he played lights out. Our tight ends are getting better, um, and and those are the things they'll focus or they'll talk about. You know, in the media. But uh, make no mistake, behind closed doors, they are in we got to fix it mode. And, and look, you saw it. I mean, all the adjustments they made on the offensive line in one game with three days and really no practice, um, you know, they, they obviously felt like a need, you know, changes need to be made and, and they made them. And, um, you know, they're going to, they're going to try to, they're going to try to make this thing uh, or get this thing as, as, as good and as solid as they can as quickly as possible. Jeff, I want to go there with the offensive line again, Colts great Jeff Saturday. He's with us here on the Payless Slickers hotline. I can't recall many, if any times, I've ever seen an NFL team go with three new starters on their offensive line in a week, let alone right. in a week where they didn't practice. You know, it, yeah. it, it was just walkthrough. Um, yeah. How rare was that, and how shocked were you when you saw the amount of changes on a Thursday night game? Yeah, bold move, Cotton, right? Like, yeah. that's uh, – <laughs> yeah, it was, it was one of those. Um yeah, I mean, I think they were so frustrated about the performance. You know, they had tried, I think it was Fries at right guard a couple of weeks ago. Um, and, and, you know, they wanted Bernard, to, to, you know, to come in as, as the rookie. He'd been kind of rotating with Pryor over there, um, you know, trying to get him trying to get him cuts and reps with the injury. I think that set him back a little bit. Um, and so I think they felt like, look, this, this is going to give us the best, you know, the, our best five on the field at one time. And, and frankly – the way they played, I, I don't blame them. I mean, I, I get what you're saying as far as not having any time together, but if you feel like you're being, ex, you know, you, you, you're kind of being exploited at what you think is going to be your strength, um, you feel like the guys around it, whether it's Kelly and Q, you know, Pryor's been starting. Obviously, uh, Braden started forever, so you feel like, hey, they're going to bump a move, you know, they're going to move one in and um, we'll be good. And uh, unfortunately, it just, you know, it was another. It was another poor performance um, up front, and and with with Ryan struggling on top of it, it just the, the, the it's glaring and it's painful to watch for a team that uh, has so much pride in that offensive line right now. It, it, there's just there's there's not a whole lot that you're going away going. Man, we feel good about it. You know they. Um, uh, so yeah, I'm I'm with you on that. Jeff, if I, I know you're not there every day, but if I gave you a magic wand, what would that offensive line look like for you a week from Sunday? Um, you know, I thought Fry's actually played pretty good two weeks ago, but but I don't mind. You know, they're gonna, if, if Pryor is going to be the guy, um, you know, you probably you probably want to do what you had. I mean, I, you know, they, but you're going to have to practice at it. And look, like they were they were crushing, uh, you know, Bernard on on the left tackle last night on the two of those holding calls. Yeah, I mean, you know, look, he's young, but but they were they were ticky tack at best. It happens, and look, they're holding calls. Was he holding? Yeah, but I mean, they're they're not ones you're going to get, you know, each and every week. And so, 
Um, I think, you know, with what you have, you, you now have to kind of get into it and go. I will say as well, if you looked at their run game overall, I think, I think they averaged around four yards a clip, which is the best they've done. Um, the sacks, obviously, the pressure on the quarterback, all of that's going to have to get worked on. But there's, I think that's the most physical line that the Colts can put out there, if you understand what I'm saying. Like, if you, if you just went across the board and said, hey, we're going to be a physical, dominating offense, you're gonna, we're going to knock people off the ball, I think those bodies in those places are probably the most effective. Um, we've got, listen, we've got to fix our pass protection. It is, it is not good. And, and, um, we, we have got to get that fixed, but those guys got to work together for that to happen. And like you said, we got 10 days now. Uh, but that, that's the most physical group. If, if I had to look at their roster that I would tell you, that'd be the most physical group you're going to put out there. Jeff, the opinion and observation, Jeff Saturday's our guest on the Payless Liquors guest line. The opinion and observation of a 50 year old radio host is that for whatever reason, Ryan Kelly has regressed a bit and that perhaps that's because either A, he is snapping to another quarterback for like the third straight year or B, the players around him are changing. C, and I understand and respect the fact that, you know, maybe because of some personal things, I don't know what it is, but it just feels to me like Ryan Kelly's play has dropped. But what is the opinion of a guy who actually played the position for a long time well in yourself in terms of assessing Ryan Kelly? Yeah, I'll tell you, he actually played well the first three weeks. Uh, he he would not have been the guy that I would have circled as not performing up to expectations. Uh, I went back and watched all those cuts from um, from the first three games. The the Tennessee game, he played bad. He you know uh, he, he did not play well. And, but here's part of it, right? Like the guards beside him have not been playing well either. And that, that includes 56, right? So like, you know, Q hasn't played great either. And so um, when, when you, when, when the guys around you are struggling and, and um, you know, you have a down day, it looks bad, but, but I, w- I would tell you the first three weeks, I thought Kelly played good. Um, when I say good, you know, put it put it in reference to the guys you're playing with, and like, could that be a win? I would say he had a winning performance. Now, was it dominant? You know, we can go through all those, but he had a good enough he had a good enough week those three weeks to to win. Um, but but Tennessee was a struggle, um, and then and then last night, obviously with the injury, you're hoping he gets back. But but uh, Pinter stepped in and played good at center. I mean, he had a couple issues, but he stepped in and played pretty well there. That's a better position for him than guard so um you know he's he's much stouter there and so but no i i would not have just said that kelly from the entire season hasn't played well he actually has played good for those first three do you believe jeff like if they had and and i don't know you know i mentioned earlier the 83 you know washington and 83 the the hogs you know like a great offensive line but if you had like the best offensive line you could have in front of Matt Ryan, do we know for a fact tangibly that Matt Ryan still has it within him if he is protected? Well, that's what you got to see. Right now, he has not. Like you, you go through five weeks. I mean, he's fumbling and he's turning. The two, the interceptions yesterday are um, they're bad. I mean, they're bad. They're bad picks. Like you know, you you have to see um, you know the coverage spin down. I mean, that that is that. There's nothing tricky about that. It wasn't like. Uh, so, so, and, and the fumbles are, and I get you're under pressure. Um, but, but it, you know, a couple things I took away from last night, just so that the, you know, silver lining type stuff, he stepped up in the pocket much more last night than he has. And you saw him make some throws 
and some plays stepping into the pocket, which is is huge because he had not done that uh, in weeks prior. So I like that progression. I thought that was really needed. Um, but he has got to protect the football. We're, like, we're not good enough on offense to, to give it to the other team. We're not good enough to sustain stacks. Like, and, and, you know, I, I forget the stat, Jake, but it's like 42% or something like that of all drives that have a sack end in a punt. And, like, without a sack, only 20% end in a punt. I mean, is that, I mean when you're talking about that type of number, um, and that's what we stressed in our locker room the whole time I played, like, you know, if, if the quarterback's got to throw it away, throw it away. Like it goes into everybody. It's not just the offensive line. If, if a guy gets beat, freaking dump it, right? Dump it in the dirt, live to play another play. We have not found that. Like, he holds it too long at times. They don't protect him enough. It's, 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 and and that's, a, that's a vicious cycle they got to get out of. Jeff Saturday is with us here on the Payless Liquors Hotline. Um, Jeff, if, as you look forward in the AFC South, um, God bless this division. It's the two and two Titans, two and two Jags, two two and one Colts. If I made you pick a winner of the AFC South on October seventh, where would you go? Oh, um, that's a good question. Uh, I'd probably say Jacksonville to me has looked the best of everybody so far, but it's early. You know what I mean? Like nobody's really nobody knows what. Peterson and, and Lawrence were going to do together yet. So defensive coordinators, it's just so early, Kev. But I, I would tell you that the team that has looked the best on tape would be Jacksonville. Like when you turn them on, um, they've looked pretty. They've looked pretty dynamic. They played a, you know, they got a big lead on Philly and then kind of choked it away. Lawrence dropped the ball, I think, four or five times, some kind of NFL record. Uh, but their defense is 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 nasty, and they can turn you over and they can get after you and sack you. Um, and so I would say that's probably of, of if, if, as far as picking them, I don't know who's going to go, but I would tell you that's been the team that's looked the best on tape so far. Last night, Jeff, which is more true in the eyes of Jeff Saturday? The Colts won a game or Denver lost one? Oh, that's a great way to for, uh, Colts won that one. They, they, look, they they both they both sucked. So it's like, <laughs> you got to give it. Colts suck less, right? Credit. You know, like I can't just say that, that. Yeah, like like they didn't just lose it. I mean, they uh, no, they they neither wanted it, but one had to get it. So they ended up finding a way to get it. I, I, I'm gonna give them credit for that. At least they didn't. Uh, that could have easily gone the other way. So they fought and uh, man, give the defense like that's one thing I, I I knew. You know, we're gonna focus on the offense because of how bad it looked. But man, our defense. Gilmore played again. I told you all this last week. You asked me like, who was a player nobody's talking about nationally? Like, Stephon Gilmore, dude, is freaking balling. And when I tell you, he is playing great football. Um, and, and, and again, like, just the plays that they've made uh, time and time again in crucial moments, you know, a game-on-the-line type deal, I have been very, very happy with their play. And, and again, we, you know, we lost another one last night. I, hope, I don't know what happened with Pay, like how bad it is. But, um, you know. Didn't look good. That's for sure. Ian Rapport just tweeted yeah, yeah. high ankle sprain for Quiddy Pay. Okay, yeah, so so hopefully, but I mean, man, this defense has played really, really well um, to keep us in these games and to, and to be 2-2-1, two, two and one, like, give them a ton of credit because they've earned it. Maybe hang one of those banners in Lucas Oil, Colts sucked less on Thursday night football. <laughs> That's right. <Yeah. laughs> Something like that. They could maybe 
let you put that up right there next to the wild card participant I, I banner. I when you're that, and I meant that off, I meant that offensively, not defensively. Sure. You, can't, you can't say that about our D, but oh. you, you, y'all got the point. There was plenty about it that was offensive. There's no yeah, question yeah. about that. Well, Jeff, you, you, you take a look at that when you're in town for Tar Glenn's Ring of Honor coming up here. There you go. That'll be on a banner somewhere for sure. <laughs> Jeff, twice in a week. Uh, thank you so much for doing that, and we will talk to you, I guess, a week from Monday. Colts and Jags, and what will be a massive one for Indianapolis coming up a week from Sunday. Have a great weekend, man. Looking forward to it, fellas. Y'all be good. Have a great one. It's a great Jeff Saturday right there on the Payless Liquors Hotline. Uh, yeah, Ian Rappaport just had that uh, Quiddy Pay um, believed to have suffered a high ankle sprain based on the initial evaluation. He'll have an MRI today to confirm Boy. and detail a timetable. That high ankle sprain was, you know, typically about what a month. It looked worse than that, though. It, a little like, more. I, I thought Achilles when he first went down. Yeah, I mean, like it looked like his leg was turning the wrong direction. I, so, and it's a loss, you know, certainly because I just don't love the depth of that position, and not to mention you just you stun his growth. You saw him miss a few games last year. Due to a hamstring injury, and now this. It, um, you know, pay. He has flashes, but he's another one for where he was selected. Yeah, shouldn't we have seen see more by now? More you want? I, I, part of me every time I think about pay, I think am I being too greedy with that, or should I want to see a little more? Yeah. By being a little greedy. They both sucked. <laughs> he ain't wrong, right? That that'll is. Come, that'll the, come back. I think. Again, we'll one again. day when Max grows older and he comes home from school and says, Daddy, somebody was talking about this Colts-Broncos game from a few years back. I'm going to say, Max, your eyes will never see it. Just know the Colts sucked less than the Broncos. <laughs> Good way of saying it. Be a memorable 33rd birthday for Maddie, right? Wow, Don't, yeah. Can you imagine watching the all, th- all 22 of that game again? Oh, my Talk about torturing yourself. Seriously. Yeah, exactly. You guys will have another Dahmer documentary to watch after okay. that. All right, we'll do one final time here. Good transition, Kevin, to round out the week here. Kevin Aquari, 93.5, 107.5, The Fan. You are listening to Kevin Inquiry on 93.5 and 107.5, The Fan. Kevin, Buffalo's giving eight to Pittsburgh. I would say take the Bills till the cows come home, right? Rookie quarterback starting for the Steelers. Buffalo trying to reestablish their footing. I bet they cover that eight. Only Interesting. eight. Wait, that can't be. That can't I, I'm be I'm looking at – am I looking at the wrong thing? I'm looking that at – That can't be current. Uh, last I saw was 14. This, this site that I go to is always the one – remember last week I was like, yeah, Clemson's giving like 13 or something. You're like, no, it's six. Yeah, it's it's 14. No, oh, I'd be all over that eight if that was the case. Yeah, I'm looking at – I just Googled latest line, and this is what comes up. I'm going to take the Dolphins minus three over the Jets on the road. I, I would tend to agree with that. I like the uh, Lions to cover the three-and-a-half-point underdogs that they you, are against you the like Patriots. The, you like the fighting Motmans, don't you? I just feel like even if they're bad, they're going to score a lot of points. What's the Indiana-Michigan line? I'm going to take the Cardinals to cover five-and-a-half at home with the Eagles. I should be looking at my DraftKings Sportsbook app to get the best lines here. I was going to say, I didn't want to bring up. I'm going to take the Bengals to cover the three and a half against the Ravens as well. So 22 and a half, Jake. Michigan favorite over Indiana. 
Uh, Purdue is three-point underdog at Maryland. If I can get that Purdue line to three and a half, I'm hammering that. How about this? I'll take Atlanta getting 10 in Tampa. I don't think the Falcons are very good with Mariota, but Tampa, I'm not certain of their offense either. I think the Falcons are the team that's covered the most of the spreads in the NFL this season. Really? Yeah. Mm -hmm. I I mean, the double-digit spread in the NFL is a lot, right? I'm in one of those survivor you know, leagues. I'm taking the Bucks this week. Brady Probably can't lose three in a row, right? Clear his mind. So. Single man. That we know, maybe. That's <laughs> okay. hearsay, Kevin. Okay. He's on the set of Lazy Town. He is on the set of Lazy Town, that we know. Indiana will cover against Michigan. No way Michigan beats him by that much. Oh, man, I'll take Michigan. Jake, I'll, I'll say this to close out. Um, for those that want to see this team be in the playoffs this season, win the AFC South, boy, these next two games out of the bye. Last night, kept irrelevant. Jacksonville at home, Tennessee on the road. What can a 10-day break? A lot needs to be cured, particularly on a broken offensive line. I am skeptical if it can be, but but if it's going to be, this is the time that it needs to get done, considering the time off and then how your schedule lines up, now or never. So you get in the playoffs, you get excited about it, everybody gets an I extra know. blue Monday, and I, then you get your doors blown off. I'm trying to live in like and the you're reality back to drafting 19th, and you're taking a right guard out of Texas A&M. Hallelujah. You know how I feel, but God bless Introducing the everybody South. to Baker Mayfield. Great. Everybody have a great weekend. Looks like weather should be a little fall-like, but at least I don't think any rain in the forecast. For Kevin Bowen, Jake Query, Mark Dykton, We're signing off here. See you Monday, 7 a.m.